Hey there, friends. You're on another episode of the Spinoff Show. Got a really fun guest on this one. Uh, he's my good friend. We know each other through college. We didn't actually go to school together, but um, he graduated a bit before me, but I know him through going to the University of Illinois. He's been on the Jock and Nerd podcast before, back on episode 39, where we broke down trailers. His name is Christopher Sotelo. And on this episode, uh, we get into his career at Google. He now currently works for Google out in San Francisco. Uh, so we get into a little bit of that. We get into my trip to Coachella, the arts and music festival out in Indio, California. We get into why I went to Coachella, me hanging out with celebs, all that fun stuff. Um, so we dive into that. I don't hang out with celebs. I'm kidding. After that, we talk about Game of Thrones season eight, episode one. Um, we are spoiling stuff. So just want to let people know. If you haven't watched Game of Thrones Season 8, Episode 1, we spoil the shit out of it. The reason we talk about this is actually I just finished watching that episode an hour and a half before we started recording this. So Chris was the first guy I could start talking to about this. And you're damn right I'm going to talk to Chris Sotelo about this because he likes Game of Thrones as well. Get into Game of Thrones, Endgames, uh, Avengers Endgame, sorry. Get into that. Get into discussing the the personality types of each of these characters and our predictions for Endgame and Game of Thrones. Uh, then we dive into a lot of personality test stuff. Chris gets pretty deep on the Enneagram personality tests. Uh, he wants me to let you guys know, though, he is not an expert in this. But we definitely talk about Enneagram tests, love languages, heart motives, Myers-Briggs tests. I thought this was a really interesting episode to record. I was really looking forward to doing this, and I'm pretty sure it turned out really well. This is my good friend, Christopher Sotelo. Let's check it out. This is the Jock Spinoff Show. Chris, what's up, man? How's it what's going? What's good, homie? <laughs> We've been trying to set this up for a, a bit. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's been a, a bit of coordination, but we did yeah, it. We, we did, did it. it. We're, we out here, fam. <laughs> Google's keeping you busy out there, huh? Dude, yes, it is. It's uh, it's busy for sure. <laughs> what? So, what's your role at Google? Yeah. So, um, so I'm the lead video producer for the uh, central communications and internal communications team. Mm-hmm. And so basically what that means is I handle all of the um, video work and uh, I guess production, video visual production for um, like internal communications. So we've got about 100,000 employees at Google. And yeah, it's crazy. (laughs) So when I started, there was like 65,000 employees and that was a lot to me. But now we're at 100,000 and that's insane. (laughs) <laughs> and so, and that's like over the course of, I'm on my fourth year now here. Um, but what that means is I, I do, uh, like this internal, one of my, one of my things is I do this internal news show mm-hmm. that's basically like a five minute, you know, news show, uh, that runs down some of the, the cool things that are going on at Google announcements, et cetera. So I write, produce, edit, shoot, and I'm in this show, right? So it goes out to our hundred thousand employees and, um, and that's how we do some of our, uh, enter- more entertaining, uh, video segments is, is, is that right. Mm-hmm. And then I also do, um, like interviews with execs and, and top leaders 
and anything that needs to get communicated to uh, certain product areas because it's like Google's vetted up into different product areas, right? Um, then I'll then I'll you know film them and then we'll release it uh, to those uh, teams. Yeah. Damn. So, how does it feel now to work for the the man, the AI, the the thing that runs the world? <laughs> I don't even know what oh, the, is it. Is it the man? Would you? Is it the man? Is it the 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 artificial intelligence that'll take over? <laughs> Is it the syndicate? What it, the corporation? What is this? You know, it, uh, it's, it's, it's the Google. It's the Google. Google. I just call it the Googs. I don't know what it is, uh, to be honest with you. No, it's 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 cool, man. Like I'm, I feel uh, very blessed and fortunate to to have this job. Um, our job in particular, you know, the team that I sit on, we sit so close to, you know, the top level leads. I'm like maybe three people removed from our CEO, so mm-hmm. the kind of access that my team in particular has to all these people, it's not like the type of access that anyone else really gets at Google. So um, sometimes I forget, I, I honest to God forget, you know, that I know a lot of things that people don't know, you know, mm-hmm. John Snow knows nothing. He knows a lot now. <laughs> he knows, but he knows he, a little oh, bit. He knows yeah. some things now, but like, yeah. but now like, I know a lot of things. And so I, I'm always like kind of catching myself, like, wait a minute, is that public knowledge yet? Or is this, you know, um, cause we're, you know, we're on a cycle and um, things are, there are a lot of top secret things that are being worked on and developed that I can't say. And so I'm always checking myself to make sure that I'm oh, uh, spilling the beans. Um, but yeah. So like, for instance, um, I think Gmail just did a refresh and, yeah. and, and there's this big announcement about it. I'm like, did I have that like six months ago? <laughs> and then <laughs> I go, Oh shoot, it's out just now. Okay, great. Uh, Cause they beta test with us, you know, and, and things like that. Yeah. Wow. How does it feel to like have to know, you know things, but you can't openly discuss them, you know, with anybody, you know, I mean, can, I, you, can you, de- can you even discuss it with family or is that like, there are, there are some things that I can discuss with family, but they have to honestly, they have to be mentioned in the, in the media for, you know, they have to be mentioned as public knowledge mm-hmm. first, right? There's no, I can't give any insider knowledge or, or information Jeez. about things that are being worked on. Um, yeah, I mean, it's just against company policy to do so. Um, but you know what? If I was going to get a corporate job, Google would be the job to get as a creative. Um, yeah, is that right? Yeah. I mean, like our culture is really, Google's culture is, is you know, it's wild, man. It's it's creative. It's, um, you know, people shoot for the stars at this company. There's a lot of brilliant people doing amazing things. And I'm, super fortunate to see all of that uh going on i think that's that's one of the things you know um you know google's mission is to to organize the world's information and make it universally accessible and useful right that's what we stand by and that's kind of a that's our you know that's our mission statement and what that means essentially is that it's not just like you know search terms at your fingertips what that means is that we're providing like internet for people in third world countries or you know, providing uh, access and opportunity to people with special needs that, you know, they might not otherwise have the same experience that, you know, other people have in this world. So Google's doing a lot of great things and I get to be at the, the forefront of seeing the, those things happen. So it's a great privilege, I see. Awesome. And just so that I know where you're at, but just so that anyone that's listening knows, you're at the, you're in San Fran? I am. I am in San Francisco. That's is right. That the, the is that the headquarters of Google? Yeah. So the headquarters of Google is in Silicon Valley, which right. is about 38 to 40 miles south 
of San Francisco. So it's okay. in Mountain View. Um, but there's a off, there's several offices in San Francisco. Um, and Google in Mountain View, aka where Silicon Valley is situated, it's a campus. It's like college. <laughs> so I can talk about that. I can yeah, talk about talk, <laughs> talk about that. So I've heard things about this, but what have I'd, you heard? Rather... I just want to. I'll, I'll confirm or, or I will deny these if these things are true or not, and then I'll go on and tell. Talk well, about I've only. Things. I don't even. It's like limited things, but I've heard. Do they? They? They take care of your transportation out there. Yeah. If you. If you. If you didn't want to drive, you wouldn't have to drive because there are Google buses that pick <laughs> you up to and from uh, certain locations around the city. So I live in San Francisco with no traffic. It is like a. 48, 50 minute drive, but there's always traffic in the Bay Area, right? Except sure. on the weekends. And so that comes out to about like an hour, 15 to an hour and a half, maybe on the road. And so you can hop on the Google shuttle and it'll take you from, you know, a spot that around the city all the way down to Mountain View and back, right? So there's, there is that. You, you wouldn't have to drive if you didn't want to. That's true. That is true. Okay. That's all I've heard. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I've heard. So what, what, the, else, what else yeah, is, yeah, so what else is going on? One of the craziest on? things is, um, you know, and Tony, when you, when you come through the Bay Area, I'm happy to give you a tour, man. Oh, and, awesome. Uh, Google, Google meal is on me. So <laughs> uh, one of the things that, that is, is really funny is that, you know, I'll be walking through the office and then we'll see, you remember walking through the dorm and having those cork boards and then oh, seeing yeah. like advertisements for different clubs and organizations? Yes, of course. Yeah, so Google has clubs and organizations. Oh, you what? can join... The, you can join a choir. Uh, there's Mick, there's there's a BJJ, you know, Brazilian Jiu Jitsu. Mm -hmm. If you yep. want, there's um, like singing clubs. There's acapella groups. Um, there is a Google Orchestra. People who have played instruments in their lives, they gather together on their free time and they practice, and then they perform uh, in the courtyard in front of everybody. In fact, on May fourth, aka May the fourth, for us uh, Star Wars fans out there the google orchestra goes out to the courtyard and they gather together and they play the john williams star wars suite and it's awesome <laughs> um real nerdy things like that man there's like there's all sorts of crazy clubs and organizations that you can join it's it's pretty wild yeah that legit reminds me of college oh and then yeah i'm in the filipino group <laughs> yeah dude there is a filipino googler it's called fgn which is filipino uh -huh. googler network right yeah and so it is what it is. We gather together. We, there was just a karaoke night, you know. Um, we had like a jolly bee get together. <laughs> I mean, that doesn't surprise me so much because the Bay Area just has a ton of Filipinos. Uh, dude, there's Pinoy's everywhere, man. And that was one of the big, like, um, one of the pleasant uh, reverse culture shocks was seeing like all of us like densely populating an area. You know, sure. I mean? in Chicago, <laughs> you know. Um, being born and raised in Chicago, growing up through the you know Filipino immigrant family, like I'm around Filipinos because of our network, right? But mm -hmm. this is different. Like, there's this uh, city called Daly City. Shout out to the Daly City heads. Um, if you want to go to a brown town, yo, that's where it's at. I Man, go to this one mall called uh, mm -hmm. uh, Saramonte Mall. But uh, my wife and I have nicknamed it Brown Mall. Like when we want to get our, like our, our Pinoy fix, we're like, yo, let's go to Brown Mall. And you walk around and then you just hear like people speaking Tagalog at Target, you know, like there's all these Filipinos gathered at Starbucks and they're like, you know, they're, they're like titas and titos and lolos and lolas, you know, grandmas and grandpas. They're sure. like old and they're just like congregating. They're everywhere, man. It's really that's, wild. That's crazy. Seeing as like, 
so so I can tell the the listener that doesn't know that we know each other. We both went to U of I, yep. but you weren't in this. You graduated when? When did I graduate? University of Illinois Urbana Champaign. U of I for us. I graduated in two thousand five, I believe. Yeah, two thousand five. So. We never were in school together. I didn't start up till 2006, 2007. Right. But you, you were always like this like legend, myth? I don't even know how to describe how I knew of you other than people that knew you would always talk very admirably about, admirably about you. That's kind. Yeah, they would always talk about you in this kind of reverence. It was like, wait, who is this guy? I appreciate that. And then you would always come around for different things. Yeah. You were living down there, right? Yeah, so, yeah. So I was living and working down in Champaign as a teacher so, at the time. This is yeah. preceding my uh, you know, video production days. Sure. But yeah, so we, my wife and I, we stuck around and um, you know, we were working in the community and still very much plugged into PSA, which is the Filipino Student Association yep. at the U of I. And I would, um, you know, I would emcee these, these big events and uh, whether they be fashion shows or conferences where f- all, all of the Filipino Americans gather together on campus. And, and that would be, that would be what I would do, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, like it was, it was really cool to, I think that was one of the coolest things to, to be able to connect with everyone, despite like not going to school together. It was still really awesome to be like, uh, able to create avenues for a relationship with you all. I thought that was dope. That was awesome. I mean, we wouldn't have met otherwise, right? That's true. This is true. <laughs> I mean, so you go from that where you, can you even like, no, I, when I went down to U of I, I was told this, but if I wasn't told that there was a Philippine Student Association, I'd be like, no way. There's absolutely no chance that there's a yeah. Philippine Student Association. And, and it's, you, it's vibrant. It is vibrant. But I mean, you yeah. get down there and it's vibrant. But then when you get out of that, it's, you know, it's, we're very much a minority amongst a lot of Caucasian people. And then it's you true. go from that to now, you've found this other home in San Francisco where you can easily access Pinoy's and Pinay's. Yeah, dude. And, it's, you know, and it's, it's, it's really cool though. Like I think and you don't know all of them. <laughs> no. And I don't, but yeah, wait, right. I feel like I do. Like I, I think my parents came to visit, uh, one time and then my dad felt just compelled to talk to every Filipino. <laughs> I was like, dad, you don't know all these people just, you know, like hey, take it back a notch, you know, but he was just, just being himself, just walking around saying what's up to everybody. Um, cause it is like, it is culture shocking in the best way, you know, mm-hmm. cause you just feel like you see yourself everywhere, you know? Right. Um, and that's not, and, and like I said, like with San Francisco as a city is a seven by seven. So it's 49 square miles. It's a, it's like a hamlet, right? Like back mm-hmm. in the day when it first became, a, it wasn't even a proper city, but it's just so dense, right? It's a densely mm-hmm. populated city. Um, and so it, in, in a weird way, I heard this from one of my friends who's from Chicago who moved out here as well. Um, he was telling us that it's a lot like Champaign-Urbana where both you and I went to school and that, you know, you could run into somebody across town and that wouldn't be abnormal, right? Mm-hmm. I see people that like I'm just kind of acquaintances with or, or even my friends, I see them at like in stores, you randomly run into each other. It feels... Really? Yeah. It's it's kind of wild like that. That doesn't um, happen in Chicago. No. In Chicago, <laughs> it's so sprawling, right? Right. Um, but yeah, yeah. So you I, guys I, are in Chicago, though. You guys are going through uh, another season of winter. <laughs> What's going so on? Man? I was just—I actually, that's funny you mentioned that. So apparently, it snowed here on Sunday. So we're recording this Tuesday night, April sixteenth. It snowed here Sunday. We got five inches. Luckily, I was in—it was—I was in Indio, California, for Coachella. So I missed all of that. That's right. Um, and the re- and what even brought that to mind was the fact that you were talking about how densely populated San Francisco is. 
there's a ton of Filipinos in LA, but LA is so freaking spread out mm. that I don't think you're going to run into people you know in LA either as yeah. much as you would in San Francisco. But yeah, I was just in, uh, I was just at Coachella for the past, uh, I was in California for the past five days. Coachella is a three day festival. I spent one night in LA. So I'm actually kind of beat up. I'm yeah, pretty man, beat you up. Must be, I, I bet you're tired, man. Hey, I'm, I'm I was meaning to tired. ask you like, so, so I'm a little crowd averse. Yes. Um, unless I have, I will make an exception if I have, reserved seating you know what i mean yep so like i can go go to the movies no problem i'm talking about like concert level yep you know like i need a chair man otherwise like it freaks me out totally Um, so so what's coachella like in that sense you don't have reserved seating you just crowd around right yeah so i mean i've been i've done a lot of festivals now um coachella was always on the list to be the one like one of the ones i would go to and i finally got to cross that off this year so coachella's two weekends uh weekend one weekend two weekend one is the big the one that I went to just this past weekend. Mm-hmm. Um, that's more of the, that's the bigger weekend. That's the one that gets all the press coverage, all the celebs, the models, the quote unquote influencers are all out there. My favorite um, word. Not- right. Right. Um, we were joking around the entire weekend about, we, we basically, if you said the word influencer, you had to take a shot because <laughs> it's such a ridiculous thing now. Dude. Um, but so Coachella, you get, you know, it's out in the middle of the desert, you know, 25 miles maybe from Palm Springs. And it's this sprawling polo ground field with probably six or seven different stages, um, different art installations. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, there, unless you are like VIP, there's nowhere really to sit unless you just plop yourself on the grass. Yeah. Um, and there's a hundred thousand people there. So yeah, I mean, it's pretty, it, you know, if you don't like crowds, it's not probably not going to be for you there. The co- cool thing about Coachella is there's always like space. If you want to kind of just like, hang in the back. You don't have to be like in the middle and I'm never in the middle. I'm always either in the back or on the side. I like having my space. Yeah. Um, but one of my, uh, one of my coworkers texted me this while I was there and it, and it absolutely rang true. Um, he's like someone, someone tweeted out or put on Instagram or Twitter. Coachella is basically the influencer Olympics <laughs> and 100% true because um, when you get there, literally everyone looks really good. Like, yeah, like more like, like beautiful people, beautiful people, like better than any festival I've been to. And I've been to like EDC, Lollapalooza. Uh, I've been to a few. So be- the best looking crowd I've ever seen. Everyone's trying to look good. So everyone's oh, they wearing, came, they came to flex, man. They came to flex. Like people are wearing, I mean, it's like 90 degrees out and they're wearing black jeans. I'm like, come on, this is that's a little <laughs> ridiculous, but Hey, whatever. Like everyone's trying to look good. And then everyone during the daytime is getting in front of an art installation or a, a ride or up a stage and they're taking a million photos. Of course. <laughs> so of course you don't. And the thing is, is, I don't recognize these influencers or these. I don't follow too many models on Instagram, and so and I don't follow any many influencers. So unless you're like a, an A-list celeb or an artist that I know, I'm not recognizing you. So I was walking past all these people, going, "That could be somebody," but I have no freaking clue. So I'm just going to keep walking because I'm here to enjoy some music. No, so. for sure, man. Yeah. Go ahead. No, I was going to say that, like, I, I think I saw a few friends post, uh, what is it? They posted some photos with some, like, YouTube stars, and I'm like, oh, yeah. who are you, what, what is, who are you, who are you even? I don't even know who, who this person is, you know? And, like, right. how do you spot them in a crowd? I'd be like, they look just like that other person that was walking that way. How do you, how can you tell? I got you a know? friend that was there um, that could, that can spot, like, influencers and YouTube stars and models out of nowhere as if she's looking for them and i'm just like how do you even know who these people are like for me like unless unless you're like some artist that i really admire 
or an actor or an actress that's you know someone i've seen a, a few times in movies or or maybe some like model that that is above and beyond anything else everyone else was just people to me you know and and I, that wasn't what i was there for i liked being around it and i wanted to i liked to experience it but i wasn't in admiration of everybody it, it was it was right. one of those things where everyone was looking so good and i don't mean to say this like as if oh man like i, I was completely desensitized to it because it was still a little overwhelming but you are kind of a little desensitized to it when everyone looks the same. Sure. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, for me it was it was it was a lot of fun, um, but it was a very very unique experience, so more we, unique than any festival I've. Been yeah. To. So what do you like about festivals? I, I was curious about that. Like, yeah. For someone like me who is like festival averse and like mm-hmm. crowd crowd scare, you, I I just want to understand the experience or like sure. what is the draw? I'm always so curious about it. Sure. So, I mean, one of the big draws for me is just the music. So, okay, um, yeah, of course, you go to a concert. For instance, Ariana Grande was at Coachella this year. I paid four hundred. She performed with the uh, NSYNC, right? So, and exactly. Justin Timberlake. Yeah. So I wasn't. I was a little disappointed in that. But yeah. um, Ariana Grande was there. I'm not the biggest Ariana Grande fan, but let's say you wanted to go and see her in concert. I paid about four hundred twenty dollars for Coachella, the t- the, the three day fest. Then you got to do flight and all that stuff. But that's ancillary. Just let's take a look at the, just the fest itself. You pay that. If you see Ariana Grande on her own, it's probably going to cost you at least $150, I would say. I see. Maybe more. Mm-hmm. You know, you're getting access to hundreds of artists for that price. So, I mean, the, the value add is, is, is very, very high there. I mean, in terms of right. being able to see a ton of artists at one price rather than having to piece these out you know, I got to go see in my my Ariana Grande concert in December, and then I got to see um, Childish Gambino in mm-hmm. August. You know, instead of spreading that all out, you can jam in as much music as you want in three days. So that's the first appeal for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, the second appeal, I mean, I'm not a big like I don't sit in the middle. I don't like to be in the pit, yeah. but I do enjoy, like there is something to enjoying something like that, not only with a bunch of your friends, but with everyone that's in the same sort of mindset. So when you go to these stages, all these stages have different artists. So when you go to a certain stage, for instance, if you go to the um, the Sahara tent, which was mostly like hip hop and EDM, mm-hmm. you're going to get a crowd that is there for that artist. And when everyone, like for me, when everyone's enjoying live music at the same time, it's almost kind of like a symbiotic relationship, not only between you and the artists, but you and the people around you. Mm. And that is really fulfilling for me. I mean, Wow. There is a lot of studies that live music is basically like a drug. It like rewires your brain for that minute, that moment that you're there. And to have that experience with thousands of other people for me is, is very, very fulfilling. Oh, that's um, cool, man. And then the third and fourth things, I mean, the third thing is I always go to these things with a, a group. We've uh-huh. always, I've always had a group of six to, to 10 to 12 people that travel with me to these things. So experiencing the, this weekend with, and these all these all actually all these people were from U of I. Oh so exp- yeah, yeah. So all these you know experiencing this with a group of friends that I've known for over ten years is just you know one of those things where we we all did this together. Sure. And we're all we were all in a house together. We rented an awesome house with a pool. We traveled together. We went to the fest together. So that having that experience with friends like that is is also really fun. And then fourth and not least is the fact that. These festivals do tend to draw an attractive crowd, and I like Ayo. to hear all that stuff. <laughs> God, I got you. Okay, okay, okay. All right, I get it now. 
Yeah, it's cool. But I mean, but if you're crowd averse, definitely. Yeah, man. I just can't. Get, yeah, maybe get that VIP pass or something. You no, know, yeah. <laughs> I have an a artist co- pass. Yeah, I have a coworker that went to Coachella last year, and he's the same way. Like he hates. He's not. He he hates crowds. Mm-hmm. But he was like. He had this pass that allowed him in the beer garden that could he could still people watch but listen to the music, right? Where he right. was just like right there but not like in the mix. Yep. And so he had Super FOMO this year and was just like streaming it on YouTube. But I remember <laughs> I remember he's like, yeah, I'm going to go. And I'm like, I asked him how it was when he came back. He's like, well, because I had these like VIP passes, it was cool. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if you have the VIP pass or even like if you go in the beer gardens, it's a lot more chill. You're not in the middle. Sure. Um, those are cool. The only real things that suck about Coachella, if you're kind of a peasant like I am, is just leaving, getting in and getting out. Oh, was that, that like that, a nightmare? That takes forever. I mean, the last night we were probably sitting in the parking lot for at least an hour before we even moved, maybe wow. 20 feet. Yeah, That's that was rough. Man. That's rough. But other than that, I mean, I've really en- I always enjoy festivals. And at, at 31 now, I don't know how much longer I'm going to do these, so I yeah. always cherish the fact that I can still go and, and not have, I don't have any kids or anything, so I don't, I don't have a ton of responsibility yet to, freedom. to anyone else. Yeah, a little bit more freedom. I can't imagine the amount of selfies taken oh, during man. that time. So, so many, so, so many. Do people still use, are selfie sticks still a thing? People still using those? Or are they just taking selfies? No, I think they're, at this point, it was one of those things where we would line, like, line up in a group and someone would just notice, hey, do you want us to take your picture? If you take a picture of us, we'll take a picture of you. That's one of like trade things. Uh, I see, I see. Or, yeah. or they would, or like there wasn't a ton of like my friend bought his selfie stick, but other than that, all I saw were people, one knee on the ground, someone posed, taking a million pictures. Did anyone yeah. have the Google Pixel as a phone? I don't think so, dude. All right, so the Google <laughs> Pixel. Oh, you're going to sell me on this? Yeah, I'm going to sell you on it. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, so I actually have two phones and I, I, cause I've been an iPhone user. <laughs> okay. So this is going to sound like I'm bastardizing Google to those people who are like people who are like Android, like loyalists. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Or like iPhone loyalists. I'm sorry to you as well. I just, you're, you're stuck in between because right you work the, for I'm, Google and exactly. you've got an iPhone. Yeah. Yeah. So I've got an iPhone as my personal phone and then I've got a Google pixel three as my work phone and i decided to not because you can you know one of the perks at at work is they'll give you like a phone and you can you know if you're using it for work they'll pay for it you know sure uh, the the, the plan or whatever i keep it separate because i like being able to not have my phone on work phone on me during the weekends um so anyways you know the google pixel 3 has a front-facing it's got a front-facing selfie camera but it's got a front-facing, super-wide selfie camera. Mm-hmm. So if you've never experienced it, I encourage you, like, pop into, like, Verizon or Best Buy or something and just get, like, get on that selfie mode and then just, you just slide your thumb over to the ultra-wide and it's mind-blowing because <laughs> you could fit, like, everybody in this photo, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but the selfie game on the Google Pixel 3 is mad strong. And I gotta say, <laughs> the camera is super superior to the iphone um i just, i gotta say it it is it's is just it? it's just amazing yeah um and to, to that note also i was thinking about with selfies uh it reminded me of the fact that like you know we just saw the the picture of the black hole right yeah and that was like they said that was five petabytes of data on mm-hmm. like half a ton of hard drives to to to, to get for that. all the telescopes to get that and then i don't know if you saw that that um comparison but they said that 
it's like all of the selfies that 40,000 people will take in their lifetime. That's how much data. And I'm like, oh man, the fact that we're using selfies as a, like a measurement, that's, that's pretty sad. Yeah, that's pretty sad. I, I got to say, pretty sad. me personally, I've never been the type to take a ton of selfies. Yeah. I'm, al- I'm always the type to forget to take pictures at an event. You got I, the friend in your crew that'll take the photos there. Right? I have a ton of friends that'll yeah. do that. So luckily I have that, but I'm always the type that, that might record some video, but I always forget to take photos. I get so lost in like experiencing it. It's great though, man. Like, yeah, no, that like, is I, great. I think that's awesome. I think that, I think more people need to do that to be honest with you. And that but my there wife needs to be a healthy that. balance though. Cause there, there, it is there fun is. to look back at the pictures. That's true. So I was going to say, my wife encourages me to, to, she's like, you know, you just got to be in this moment and then we'll, we'll be looking back. She's like, Oh, I'm so glad you took those photos. I'm like, right. remember when you were getting mad at me about it though? <laughs> like, like we have these to look back on. Like I, I am, Oh, so I am for our Filipino Googler network. I am known as like, I got pegged to be the historian. I showed up with a camera one time to my first ever event. And it was, um, it was the, uh, it was like a Kamayan event where you eat with your hands and it was mm-hmm. like, all of the food is laid out of banana leaves. And I showed up with the camera and they're like, Hey, this is our new historian. And I'm like, <laughs> okay, I guess I'm that guy. You know, <laughs> I got There's one more thing on that. Them. I got one more thing on that. The iPhone versus Google or Android. So part of the reason why I've stuck with the iPhone and this is a very small reason, but anecdotally, I was with my friends over the weekend, right? We're all sitting around and we go, okay, we've, so we're all taking these photos. Let's start sharing these photos with each other. We all are iPhone, right? Yeah. Yeah. And then we got the one friend that goes, do any of you guys use Google photos? <laughs> and we're all looking at her like, no, because no. you, you guys are all airdropping it to each other. Right? We're all just airdropping yeah, it yeah, into yeah, a big sure, file sure. on the, on the iPhone where yeah. then you can access it through the cloud and then take whatever you want. Man, though, but Google Photos is the truth, dude. I mean, that's another one. Like, Google Photos is the truth. Like, if, if people haven't messed around with that yet, like, I've actually, like, taken to creating these albums and sharing them, and it's dope. It's, like, super dope. Um, is it? Yeah, it's really great. Like, I think the Google Photos and Google Google Camera combo are incredible, to be honest with you. I use but no Google... One, but no one, none of my friends have it. Yeah, so, like, that's what I'm saying. Like, I feel like Blade right i'm like yeah. the day walker right yeah i like i like during these events like i'll be using google photos on my iphone to share with people who don't have airdrop right mm-hmm. but i'll airdrop it to people that do so i'm like i'm like walking both worlds man <laughs> but what i'll do is like i always carry my work phone around because because my work phone has a better camera because i've still got an older model of the iphone mm-hmm. but like i'll be taking all the photos on on the pixel and then i'll be like hey guys, this photo ended up better. You want me to share it? And they're like, yeah. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to start a Google Photos album. And then everyone's getting an iPhone. So, whoops. <laughs> that must be how so it is. Does Google, do they look down upon you when you bring out that little iPhone? And you're like, oh, what so the people, hell, yeah, man? So people ask that question a lot. Actually, there's a lot of Apple products at Google. And is the reason really? being, like I, I have a, like my, my work um, computer is a MacBook. Because mm-hmm. um, it doesn't make any sense to be editing like editing video on like a pixel book or you know another like google computer this is just like a better computer to use for editing and mm-hmm. then people like a lot of engineers are developing for ios so they'll mm-hmm. have iphones you know um, uh, okay yeah 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 so it, yeah they still have that still a lot of crossover yeah, and for right. a while you know like google was a, more of like a software space anyway like we're right. getting into the hardware space within the past like two or three years um and so it's relatively new space for google um but yeah, you'd be, it's not surprising when you walk around. I think it's shocking for guests who walk around to see like, what? They're like, we're using MacBooks, you know? And look, look, I've got an iPhone. And we're like, yeah, 
That's <laughs> what and, it is. Yeah, and, right, right. yeah we're, we're doing our work right now, you know. So, Do you see, uh, is there, and if you can't speak on it, feel free to just tell me, but is Google ever going to get into the, the streaming service game? Apple just did. Yeah. <laughs> I cannot I cannot confirm nor deny whether this oh, will or will not happen. What about what do you think about Apple's streaming announcement? Oh man, you know so so I cut the cable actually. Um, yeah, I'm thinking about it too. Yeah, I totally cut it because I I don't watch um don't watch TV. Do you watch uh, live sports though? That's I do. A, that's but the here, only thing. So here's the here's the trick, man. I have YouTube TV. Uh, I was I was debating between YouTube TV and Sling. YouTube TV is pretty bomb. Is it? Okay. Um, it's got all the sports networks you need. It, and so this was another thing when like, I found out that Google was doing this. If you, like, when I first joined, mm-hmm. my mind was blown. I'm like, oh my God, this is going to be amazing. And then when they came out, I'm like, this is amazing, right? What are, what are they involved with? Um, YouTube TV? YouTube TV has like, uh, they've got contracts with like ESPN, like all the major. Oh, you're, you were talking about YouTube TV. Yeah, YouTube yeah. TV. You yeah. said Google, sorry. Oh, no. So, but Google is, YouTube is part of Google. Got it. Okay. Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. That's so, right, like, that's right. it's like, you know, uh, Google is like the parent company and YouTube is uh, one of our branches, right? Right. So I'm just a anyways. dumb chimp, so. Oh, no, man, it's cool, man. People <laughs> people are like, they sometimes, I didn't even know that before I started working at Google. I'm like, oh, yeah, they're, oh, they're the same? Okay. Cool. They're the same. Okay, cool. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, when that came, when they announced that that was going to come out and I was testing it out, I was like, this is pretty dope. I think I'm going to hop on this. And mm-hmm. so, uh, of course, keeping with tradition, what, what millennial doesn't share passwords with everybody, right? So, like, <laughs> right. we've got... I've got my brother-in-law. Uh, he's got YouTube. He's he's letting me use his YouTube TV, and then I'm letting him use our Netflix. And then my there sister lets us use our HBO Go. And so the thing is about like streaming services, man. There's just the reason I cut the cable is so that I could pay less. I don't want to have to keep paying more, and then it adds up to being like <laughs> that's the thing. Out. I'm like, dude, like with Disney and Disney. Like, well, yo, Apple. One of my friends shared DC with me, so I've been I've been on that DC game though. So I've been watching all the things. Yep. Um, like I start, I, I'm like, I think a couple episodes behind on doom patrol and I, I got to start that. I only have, I started one, watching Krypton as well. Oh, wow. Krypton. Um, Krypton's, I got some thoughts, man. It's, it's pretty <laughs> good. I mean, it's like, it's WB caliber show. Like right. take that in the best sense of the word though. Okay. You no. Know? All right. Um, it feels like it's like a decent show with, with intrigue. You know? <laughs> um, but, but like with Apple, I'm not. I'm not 100% sure that I'm on board with all the stuff that they have to offer. You know, like mm-hmm. with Disney, we know what they're going to offer. With DC, we know what they're going to offer. Netflix yeah. has original program. We know what yep. they're going to offer. Unless Apple comes out swinging out the gate with a show that can like blow, like, like multiple shows that might blow people's minds. Yeah, sure. But I heard Spielberg is going to be doing one for them. So yep. that's interesting. Involved. You know? yep. um, but yeah, the streaming wars, man, we're in a new, we're, we are in the wild, wild west. We, we've it's been happening. talking about that a lot on our podcast. That's the fact that, I mean, if you're doing, if, even if you cable or cut the uh, cord cut, with if you try to get all these streaming things, you might be paying just as much. Or more. Or more, yeah. By the time it all adds up. And I think they're, what they're trying to do these days is bundle like several. Bundle, yeah. You know, like, here, we're bundling these three together, you know. Uh, I, think, I think Apple, and I'm not exactly sure on all the details, but Apple's offering a bundle with a... a, a Hulu. I forget. Yeah, I think Hulu. I, I don't know the. I know all I know is that Netflix is not playing ball with them. So yeah, they're whatever bundle they're they're going to offer. It won't involve Netflix because Netflix is like f you. We're doing yeah. our own stuff. You're basically stealing our stuff mm-hmm. or stealing our ideas. Streaming stuff will be interesting. I'm, I'm very curious to see who's going to 
who's going to end up um, or who's going to survive because I mean Netflix is still a train. I thought, oh, I think they're still losing money. That's crazy to me that they, I, they're I, producing some great shows and they're just. But they're just. Money. I mean, but yeah, all these. I mean, all these streaming services, I believe, are are going to are losing money to start. So, but like you got Netflix, you got Hulu. Um, I don't Amazon know anyone, Prime is trying to become a player in the market. Amazon, no, I don't Prime, really, I don't really I don't, watch that much on Amazon Prime, to be honest with you. And I got to be honest, I don't hear too much about Amazon Prime, other than when it first came out. Yeah. I don't hear a ton about that. I know that CBS has one. Um, ESPN has their own streaming now. Yeah. Um, but the Disney one's a big player because I saw some of their. I think I saw, it was like a leaked video of their format or like how they're going to have it. But Disney Plus is going to come out, and you can pick between like Disney, Pixar. Uh, Marvel, wow. um, Nat Geo, and then something else. There was like five mega titans that you could pick from yeah, right off Dis- the bat. Disney's just by very nature of what they produce, they're just going to have staying power right. forever, right? I mean, like, yeah. how smart are they to to have Marvel under their belt? Just, oh, and then Star Wars too. So those oh would my be goodness, the five yeah, pillars. Star Wars. It's a Goliath, right? <laughs> you got five things right off the bat. You go. Yeah, if you get things. Disney Plus, you can get these five things, right? Someone had asked me, they're like, how do you think it's going to fare? I'm like, dude, Disney, like, families, people who love Star Wars, like, they're going to be just fine, you know? And they own a piece of Hulu, so that's where they're, I believe they're going to put all their mature stuff. Oh, okay. So all the Fox stuff that they acquire that's kind of like a little edgy, sure. or all the, you know, the, Mar- the, the Marvel characters like Daredevil that were a little more edgy, they're, I think they're going to throw that on Hulu. That's okay. just my guess. Yeah, that makes sense because I, I figured you'd have to, like, because if you pop onto the Disney brand and then you see like hard R, Daredevil, yeah. it doesn't quite. It doesn't add up on the Disney brand for sure yeah. now. Yeah, it's a little off brand. Yeah, I, I'm, ex- I'm like I said, I'm excited to see where it goes, but it makes for now interesting choices for someone that wants to cut the cord. And, it, and if someone that doesn't cut the cord, I mean, geez. See, this is how, why. How big is your bill? <laughs> yo, man, that's why you need friends or ha- you need to have a Filipino family that is willing to share. You know? And it's a good I, thing. Like, everyone, people are like, hey, yeah, take this. Oh, yeah. I, I'll fully admit my Netflix is shared with Justin Cappadocia. See, there you go. There it is. <laughs> my, shout my, out to Cap. Shout, yep, shout out to him. My Hulu, I was sharing that with a coworker. They now bundled that with Spotify. So Spotify is offering that plus Hulu for 10 bucks a month. I'm like, I'm all wow. in. Yeah. So I'm, I have Hulu and Spotify. And then. Um, what was the third I mean, one? What's I the third get on big guy? Because I do Spotify. Yeah, if you do Spotify, just sign up for your Hulu. It's included in your Spotify. Oh my! Oh, dude. Yeah. My mind is blown right now. Yeah. Sweet. Just, just yeah. Google that. Get my Hulu back. <laughs> and we, shout out to Google. Just Google. Yep. Hey. Uh, what was the third um, big thing? Oh, Amazon Prime. Is that what the? That's the another one that I think I'm I'm sharing yeah. off someone or stealing. Amazon maybe. Prime is like yeah, yeah. My <laughs> sister. Sh- I I give Amazon Prime to my sister. I believe. And then if you, I don't know if we were like looking for this, we were looking for this movie Predestination. What's that? One of our, it's with Ethan Hawke. It's a time travel movie that's really trippy. Oh. It makes you sit down and think for a little bit. We had to review that for our, our Jock and Nerd show because someone subscribed at a high, it. I would recommend it. I would, someone subscribed at the high, like at, a, at an amount where they get to tell us what movie to review. So we'd had to do that. And Imran found it on this service called Sparkle, Sony Sparkle. It's completely free. Sparkle. Yeah, that's for, what that is. I think it's Sparkle. Yeah. And you download that and it's completely free and there's a bunch of movies on that. I feel like Sparkle is going to go the way of ultraviolet Probably. players. Remember that? Yeah. that? That was trying to be a thing? Yeah, I remember. I don't, what was HD Ultra- DVD? Yeah. What, All what, these things. What were those things? I don't I, know. I, 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 I'm always I the know. last to technology. That's the thing. I just remember it tried to be a thing and they just kept trying to make Fetch happen. It didn't happen. <laughs> 
That's, but I mean, we'll see. We'll see what happens, right? I mean, I, I, yeah, I'm a little, I'm a little, I, I, from what I read about Apple's debut is not a lot of people were impressed. Yeah. With what until, they, what they until, had to offer. Until they, they make something awesome that's going to catch fire. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. I mean, it was other than the, the, um, the Steven Spielberg announcement. I don't know. Oh, they had an Oprah thing. Oprah is going to be involved in some way as mm. well. That's an interesting know. crowd that they're trying to draw. So here the, the Oprah, Jennifer Aniston, Steven Spielberg, Reese Witherspoon, okay. Steve Carell were all at the thing. Ah oh, man, Steve Carell's great. <laughs> um, I got to bring this up now that we have. So me, you, Rex, Irwin are in the chat. We are in a chat. By the way, so you were on Jock and Nerd episode 39. Wow, 39. That seems 39. so long ago. It's a long time ago. You guys have done great. <laughs> congratulations hey, man thank you yeah we're congratulations two here let me look i'm looking it up right now what we're at we're at now episode 269 so jeez it's been a long time but you were on 39 lifetime ago rex has been, was on the jock and nerd erwin's been on the jock and nerd we gotta we get the, we gotta why, get why, all of us on yeah, yeah. We, we we gotta get all four of us on <laughs> we can do it on this thing. show yeah 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 we can do it on the show but uh what my point being is we all have this chat where we talk about stuff after it happens everything everything but we've i've never actually talked to you immediately after something happens on the phone in person via the internet now about anything that happens game of thrones game of thrones eight, season eight episode one happened wow i haven't had a chance to talk about it because i literally just watched it finished it an hour and a half ago and then you texted us the wolf emoji so we yep. got this uh, the signal is once everyone we're on embargo until everyone texts the wolf emoji and <laughs> exactly. i think that is the best way to go about it we need to come up with it we need to figure out what emoji to use for um uh, end game because that's oh. it's got to be embargoed until then right yeah we'll, we'll have to figure something out even like it, yeah. even like sharing like oh did you guys watch it we don't do that right it's just no. wolf emoji we watched very, it no one watched very, it we waited very straight up yeah but um, what did you think well, okay, so now, hey, if if uh, if you're listening to this podcast and yeah, you haven't hit, watched it, this we're is the spo- Yeah, this is the spoiler button this that would it. be normally hit on the Jock and Herb. It's I don't your have own that fault button. at this point. If you keep listening, that's on you, man. That's on you. That's on you. Um, dude, I was so excited to see all the characters back. Uh, and Dude, how about that countdown to start? Oh, dude, that was crazy. <laughs> a, a countdown oh, right off the bat. I was like, no. oh, man. I think like what was brilliant about it was because um, I've 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 it's a very small faction of people that have said that this episode felt too slow for them, which I dis- mm-hmm. I disagree in a lot of ways because you're reorienting everyone back into the world, right? It's been two years. It's been it's been like two years since yeah. we've seen them, and so it's necessary. And I appreciate that so much about the storytellers, you know, that they uh, that they take the time to like set the table properly mm-hmm. instead of just like throwing you in and they could have thrown us in and i'm sure we would have all gone for that ride but what was super dope about it was all the callbacks to season one episode yeah one. um there's one of them i'm gonna send you guys this now that we all sent each other the wolf emoji but there's this really great buzzfeed article of all articles that just knocks through all of the easter eggs in this oh, episode that's, that's a good one i'm gonna send you guys the screening crush one where they, they do it on video, and that nice. one's really good too. So Yeah, and so like... There, there's a bunch of these, but I'm yeah. sure there's going to be overlap, but like right down to the music in the beginning, that was the yep. same music that was used when... Um, when uh, uh, what's his name? Robert Baratheon walked in with yep. and marched into Westeros. Um, the kid running through to get a glimpse, same thing that Arya did. 
you know, all the way to the end when Jamie took off his hood, that's he took off his helmet in, you know, season one, episode one. So there's these like small little callbacks. That's just thought were so genius because we're getting into that bookend mode, right? Where it's mm-hmm. like, well, here it is. Um, yeah, it was just really great to see all the characters. And then now that we've seen them, we're like, okay, now people are going to die, you know, which is <laughs> really unfortunate. Um, but my initial gut reaction was that I just loved it. I loved being back in the world. You know, there are so, there were so many great moments and I just can't believe this is a TV show. I just gotta say it in general, like <laughs> what the heck, dude, we are watching like film quality stuff, you know, put out as a TV show. I can't is believe it, it. I've asked my co-host this and I'll, I'll ask you, is it the best TV show you've ever seen? And now, and obviously, and we, you, it's hard to say that because mm. we don't know what the landing is going to look like. Yeah. But so, where is it rank right in terms of you? episodic? Yeah, I think it's. Yeah. Uh, I think it might be. It's right up there with Breaking Bad. To be honest with you, Breaking Bad is probably the best TV I've ever seen in my life. Um, oh, okay. I haven't. I, I, I got to get around in Breaking Bad. Yeah, as well. it's just incredible storytelling, like characters, writing, the whole nine yards. It, Game of Thrones has that as well, right? Okay. They have all the same qualities of long form episodic storytelling, where you invest deeply into the characters. And, um, and then the actions have consequences and there feels like there's something at stake. Right. Yeah. So yeah, there's a lot riding on this season. I mean, like, dude, where, where to begin even, you know? So that was just my general reaction. How did you feel about the episode? Oh man. So, I mean, this has been, I mean, for me, I, I binge, I don't, I have, I told you how I watched this show. Well, I listened to how you watched the show when you were talking to TJ. Johnson, yeah, yeah. Is it about yeah, so it? I, yeah. Yep. I be, I binged it pretty quickly. So I, I these past was it been seven, eight years that it's been on? I've only been a part of the conversation for the past year. Yeah. Which is kind of crazy. Um, but I'm so into it. I mean, just the countdown alone, I was like so pumped. <laughs> and then you I right away I noticed, holy fuck, this intro. Oh, they've dude. changed all the the CGI graphics. Yeah, oh my dude. gosh. They're telling yeah. a different story already. Like, oh yep. my god, the detail. Um, so that was really cool. I did catch a lot of those callbacks, especially upon um, re- watching Screen Crush's video, which I sent to you guys already. Um, just literally just two seconds ago. I saw that. Yeah. Yep. Um, so that was really cool to see all those callbacks. Um, I personally was expecting it to start a little like faster. Yeah. But I don't mind the pace because there's a ton of episodes in Game of Thrones where a lot of nothing in terms of action happens, but a lot of character development happens. Yeah. And uh, this episode like you said, set up a lot of things that I, I kind of forgot. Yeah. Like I forgot that um, Daenerys had burned Sam Tarly's brother and father at the alive. At the, yeah. alive. I totally forgot that they were gonna they would have had some some conflict right there. Right. I was like, oh, that that happened. And then when um, you know at the end when Jamie comes back and he notices that uh, Bran is still alive, I'm like, oh fuck, they, he hasn't that seen happened. him since he hasn't seen season him. one, episode Bro, one, right. That's and, the last time he saw him. And even Arya, I was like, oh, Arya hasn't seen John in all these years. And Arya like, hasn't seen the Hound. And Arya right. hasn't seen Gendry. Gendry, you know? yeah. And, and I, was so, like, I was like, oh, these things. Like, I forgot that there is these little rifts that could happen or these reunite, reunifications of characters that haven't happened in so long. And I was like, oh, they're already like moving chessboard pieces around yep. um, for potential conflict. So um, the thing I was most surprised about and I, is that they just got it out of the way. They told Jon Snow right off the bat, your dad, that was pretty your surprising. name's Aegon. Yep. <laughs> I was like, oh. Most people were expecting that like mid-season, but like yeah. even Brand bought, Brand bought 9,000 as, uh, 
<laughs> EW uh, writers refer to him as <laughs> Brandbot9000. That's a great nickname for him. That's awesome. He was like, we don't have time for this. Brand just Someone like, you, you got to tell him right now. And even when they told him, like, they're not going to do it right now. Like, that's probably just a little tease for later. Nope, Sam Tarly. And I mean, yeah, I guess man. it makes sense for his character because he just heard that Daenerys burned his brother alive. He yeah. goes, this is not a queen. Like, I got to go tell the guy right now that you're the man. Like, you would not have done that if and you were in when, that position. that moment when John's like, you know, he's like, you showed, when Sam was like, you showed people mercy. You know, right. He's like, yeah, but I wasn't a king. He's like, yes, you were. You've always been a king. Right. right. When he told right. him, John's like, that look on John's face. And they said in the, um, in the making of, like, they, they could have cut to Sam, but they played it all on John's face because they wanted to show how he was reacting to this news. Right. That's all his he's moment. Like, yeah, he's like a he. He doesn't. He is so um, about doing the right thing and about the North that he doesn't care about the title. The mm-hmm. simple fact that like this is just uprooting his whole life. This is the central conflict of his character arc. Right. And he's just being flipped. Right. right. He's just been flipped. He's what he's a looked wild up, sequence, man. He's looked up to his dad this whole time, and he finds out in that moment that his dad is not his dad, and is not. And he he like he learns that. Uh, like his dad's the honor that his dad had isn't the same like the the way he image imagined his dad to be isn't the exactly the way it always has been for his dad like he right he like said my you're telling me like my father the most honorable man that I've ever known was lying right and to, but for Ned he was true to but he his was honor. doing he was doing the honorable thing he was but in in that moment John is going wait a minute my dad would never do that right, that's not exactly. my that's not the dad that I know. But he, yep. he was protect like and then the wheels are turning when Sam tells him about you know would you do that as a king basically would right. you burn and and you, they cut the, and it's John's face and you can just see his face going wait am I supporting the right person here right is this right. the is this the woman that's supposed to lead us yeah like, and and it's like a like how he reacts to all the things happening in that scene man hats off to Kit Harrington that dude oh, he's great. crushed it yeah man like he just he killed it that whole sequence. Uh, that that was all great. Even the I, dude I, playing Sam, man, like he crushed. Oh, he, he crushed just crushed it. Crushed it. I I even enjoy that. Sam, like John is all like, "Who cares about kings and queens right now? We we got a. <laughs> there's the death is at our doorstep. Like, it's right the devil there. is here. It's coming, man. Yeah. It's coming. Like I and, I don't know if it's gonna come in episode two or three, but it's coming. Like right. I don't know if you notice on the map, the detail of like, there's this dark ice mm-hmm. that is like showing the path of the white walkers yeah. did you notice that from oh, like yeah. the broken down wall and it's like yep. at um last hearth like yep. it's already surrounding it so that yep. was like a big like clue to what yeah. we're gonna see and the next place over is freaking winterfell man it's right there you know like well and the, the thing about winterfell I, i'm you probably know this but winterfell is the the place where they first staved off the yep. the white walkers that, that's where winter fell mm-hmm. that's where they got them out so yeah, I don't see good things happening for Winterfell no, this time around. I don't either, man. Like, if we can talk about predictions in a minute, but let's keep slicing through this episode. Oh man, yeah, yeah, it was it was jam packed. Um, oh man, like, how about how about that Cersei, huh? <laughs> oh, <laughs> my God. So, what do you think happened wow. there when when she? Do you think because they they linger on her like with a little bit of a tear in her eye after? Oh man, her, her eyes are looking a little glassy after she bangs Euron for a yep. bit. Yep. Well. I, I thought, and I thought she had a baby in her, right? Yeah, well, you know, she was drinking wine. Um, she wasn't drinking scene. wine. She she wasn't drinking wine when she told Tyrion, or when Tyrion figured it out in season in 
the season finale of episode mm-hmm. seven, but she was drinking wine after she knocked boots with Euron. Ah, so but she might have had like, something like, going on. Yeah. Like in that culture, they could. It's Cersei, man. She can drink whenever she wants. I don't. I don't know. Well, yeah. no. Here's the thing about Cersei, and and that's a good point that you bring up about her not drinking wine. Is the one thing I real you you realize about Cersei is she might be evil as hell when it comes to a lot of things, but you can make damn sure she's going to try to protect her kids. She's all about the kids. She's all about her kids. So, so I don't see her giveaway. drinking wine. Yeah, right. And the way they lingered on her, I I think it seems. And someone might have been TJ that told me this. That TJ Johnson from uh from one of my other shows, but mm-hmm. he might have. I think he told me that he predicts that Cersei's had a miscarriage already, mm. that she doesn't have this baby in her. And that's why she's now open to Euron. She's got to have a kid. Yeah. What's interesting about that whole sequence is Lena Headey, who plays um, Cersei, she did this great article for uh, Entertainment Weekly. Entertainment Weekly does amazing articles because they get great access to um, Game of Thrones. So I'm mm-hmm. always like reading them right afterwards. Um, but she was going back and forth with the producers about whether or not the character of Cersei would sleep with Euron, which would she give up her body in that situation? Because she's like, no, she wouldn't. She would fight. That's how she initially felt about the whole situation. Mm-hmm. Right? She's like, Cersei, that's not true to character. Why would she give in to this guy who's so like loathsome? Right. Um, but like she eventually agreed with the, the writers and the producers that actually, because she has no allies, basically she overplayed her hand with Jamie in that, in, in the season finale where, you know, she threatened to kill him, have the mm-hmm. mountain kill him. And it was a big bluff. Like she lost that. He said, like, I'm the only one you have left. Right. Right. And she just threw it all away. And now the only allies she really has are these people who aren't really her allies. Right. Aside from Kyburn, who's like, yeah, seemingly one of the best slash creepiest right hand mans out there. <laughs> next my, to Davos. My, I got to say my quick side note, my, one of my favorite Kyburn scenes is in the season finale of season seven. When, uh, the walker's arm falls off or the white <laughs> and he picks it up and he picks it up and looks at like, it with like a boner basically he's like Ooh, look he's at this. like this is really fascinating man this is crazy experiment on this you know? yeah. um but yeah he i think kyburn's like the only one that's loyal to cersei oh, at this point. him kyburn in uh, the mountain yeah kyburn yeah. in the mountain she's got two but i mean right. like when it comes to ships and you know, yeah, men and all these, like, anybody. there's nobody. So, like... Like, Euron's, Euron just wants to bone her. Like, he's not... Like, yeah, even oh, totally. Yeah. Man, and, man, that guy who plays Euron, he's the bomb, too. Like, he's 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 just sold out to that character, right? Yeah. Um, I, I actually really enjoy his quips. They're creepy and awful, but he's, mm-hmm. like, the best at it, right? <laughs> um, But, yeah, like, she has no resources, and so I think she does what, her, in her mind, is a strategic thing to do, obviously, and do that. But now the question begs to be seen, like... When he's like, I'm going to put a baby in you. Did she have a miscarriage? Is that what the tear is about? Does she, is she trying to like get pregnant with Euron to cover up so that she could, you know, cover up Jamie's baby? Oh yeah. That could be the I don't case know. too. You know, is she really pregnant? That's the third question. Who knows? Right. I, I don't even know if that's true or not. I'm still right. on the fence with it. Um, tough question. So much, to, so much to digest there. Yeah. Oh <laughs> man. I, I actually really loved how like, and then after, after, you know, that sequence with Euron and Cersei, we like cut to the ship and then we like smash cut to like arrows being thrown through people's heads and then yeah. boom here's theon rescuing yara just like that i was like yo <laughs> what a g man just like that and yara just headbutts him right in the face yep. to, to that was him. that was awesome like i i, I kind of felt like that was coming but i'm like and then she picks him up right right like, yes the ironborn that's how they do things 
I, I liked too that they they have this understanding. Like she's gonna go to um, was it the Pikes? I forget the names of these cities because it's been two years. Yeah, she's so she's gonna go to I believe it's Pike, which Pike? is the Iron Islands. Right, yeah, right. Yeah. And just in case things go haywire, which they can, I'm, they can, in my prediction at the end, we'll talk about that. In okay. Second. Yeah. Just yeah. in case things go haywire, they can take everyone over there. Yeah. But but she she lets him. Theon wants to fight for the Starks still. And yeah. she she's kind enough to be like, that's also your family. Right. Go over she there and do it. it. Right. She and I think that's it. I think that's what's kind of interesting about um like what we saw happen through the series of Game of Thrones was the killing off of the first generation of old school heads. Mm-hmm. And then now you have the new school kids, the leadership, right. like the second gen of these folks coming up. And they, they all think so differently. They they're all much more they all have a little bit more compassion on the surface yeah. than than their fathers. You know, Theon's father, um, certainly Daenerys's father. Um, John is a little. I mean, John takes a lot from his father, but he's also smarter in playing the game. Yeah, and his dad. So they're all, but they're all different. In, in in like you pointed out, right? And then we got that interaction between Sansa and Daenerys, which I feel like some people. I've heard some people are like they're a little upset that Sansa was like throwing shade at her, but I'm like, yo, okay realistically though i mean like sansa's been holding down the fort at winterfell she has been like she she's trying to stave off this winter you come marching through with like this huge army dragons this foreign queen who like your brother now just lost his crown to and you're like dude come on man and on top of that tell us we we got no food here yeah and on top of that let's remember that that daenerys's father was the one that burned her grandfather and her uncle right Right, like in the rebellion, like that, well, like she burned them to death with dragon, uh, dragon. What was it? Um, uh, dragon, dragon fire. Was it dra- wildfire? Wildfire. Yeah, yeah. So like you have this history. Well, then she's only, like, "Am I supposed to forget this? Like I know who you are." Not only that, but then you have Tyrion going, and they're bringing the Lannister army, and she goes, first off, I don't trust the Lannisters one bit. Right. Second, you trusted Cersei? Are you yeah. a moron? Yeah. Like, she she call, immediately throws Tyrion on the bus and makes herself the smartest character in the room by just being like, wasn't that obvious? What are you guys doing? Which is, uh, she's right though. She's you absolutely know, like, right. Dude, you're, she's 100% right. You and really I, and think I've, they're going to come there? And I haven't liked how her character has been written for most of this series. So yeah. it's nice to see that, okay, like now there's something that where you can go, all right, she's making decisions that are rational and make a lot of sense. And she's making tough decisions, right? Right. And, and the tension here is that she's making these tough decisions in a way where I was, I was talking with people about this, like in a way where it's like, she still has like the old world kind of um, dictating how things go. She right. hasn't seen the White Walkers yet. Nope. She has, she has no, no idea. idea what kind of. She wasn't on that like icy lake where Daenerys had to save them, right? Right. If people, I guarantee, if people, anyone from Winterfell was there seeing that, they'd be like, dude, we're going to war. Let's like right. put, put the pedal in the metal here, you know? But she hasn't seen it, right? And I don't blame them. And so. No, we it's all, hard to believe in the boogeyman until you see them. Yeah, we all have to get into that mindset of like understanding wh- where these characters are coming from in order right. to, to to see that like all their decisions, how they're playing out on screen are, are 100% rational, right? Right. Every, everyone is acting within character. Exactly. There's no is, one that was out of character in this episode. I was like, wow, everyone's playing to like their journey, right? What, what, what did you think about the, it was small, but what did you think about the little bit of uh, Bran getting given the arrows, the... Uh, that he that Tyrion killed her his dad with, and now oh, he's Bron? being Bron. Yeah, Bron. Sorry, not Bran. Bron. Yeah, if we did a, yeah, if we did a if we did a poll out here, 
how many people think that like, Braun's really going to kill either Jamie or, or Tyrion? Like, I'm in the camp that says he probably won't. I say, like, I say probably would, not, yeah. but that would be a hell of a turn for that character. It would. Someone said that that would really be poetic justice if that was how Tyrion bit his. Ooh, that'd be a rough way to go. Yeah, it would be brutal, actually. And I'm not, I'm not, you know, um, holding it against Game of Thrones to, that they won't do that. They, they might do that. Game right. of Thrones is crazy, you know. Um, Someone get Cersei her elephants. That's all I care about. <laughs> she, she wants those elephants. She's, she's really disappointed about that, man. I would say the elephants was the catalyst for her knocking boots with Euron. She didn't yeah, get her elephants. Bit. She was sad, and maybe she could get them. Who knows? <laughs> um, I really love that interaction between the Hound and Arya. It was like it was what it needed to be. So right? much packed into that small line. You mm-hmm. know? I would have loved to see them play it out more. I feel like they might, you know, but like um, that was super dope. I I really enjoyed that that buddy journey that they were on. It's really complex, but I, I you know, it, but it was it was complex, but it was also it was you know, Arya was she left him to die because he yeah. was on her list, mm-hmm. and now you know that he's back. You know, does does she still want to cross him off the list, or is this now like, eh? Which is interesting. Someone arguably said that, like, maybe she didn't kill him at that point because at that point he was off her list, and she's like, oh, oh if you die, then you die. You know, um, yeah, she has no she had no obligation to save him. No, no yeah. she didn't. And I thought it was really interesting and 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 awesome actually to see her concede to to her sister's brilliance. Mm-hmm. She's like, Sansa's the smartest person I know, right? Yeah, that she was nice that too. Fun. I was like, wow, like there's some respect there because they went through it, you know, like right. they had their, they had their story in the previous season, but the reunions were great. I mean, man. Oh, and then like someone said too, now bringing Jamie Lannister to, oh, that to just Winterfell, opens up another can of worms. It's like, remember people, Jamie is the Kingslayer. He killed Daenerys's grand, he killed Daenerys's father. Yep. He killed Daenerys's father and he's, respon- he's responsible for Bran. Being yep. a cripple. Yep. So he, he's got two families right off the bat that just hate his guts. I heard um, the actor who plays him. I can never pronounce his last name, but Nicholas Walder. Yeah, that's where I'm gonna stop. Waldo uh, costs something. Costs right, right. Yeah. My bad, bro. You know, you <laughs> if you're up, listening, you end up uh, guest podcasting. Here. <laughs> um, they said he said. Uh, so what? What was Jamie thinking at that moment? And he's like. How the hell did they make a wheelchair? <laughs> what is that thing? <laughs> that's he's a good like, point. He's like, that's the first thing I'm thinking. <laughs> Second thing I'm thinking is like, oh, is that the kid that pushed out the window? Yeah, right. It is, you know? <laughs> uh, I think that's really <laughs> He's like, that's what was going on in Jamie's mind. He's like, what is that thing he's sitting on? There are no wheelchairs in, in Westeros. Uh, <laughs> Well, it looks like the next episode he's going to be on trial or something's going to be happening. Yeah, I don't, I don't watch any of the trailers, man. Oh, sorry, I spoiled that. No, no, it's cool, man. So I actually, I just leave the room. Oh, speaking of Uh, not watching trailers, like I still haven't watched the Endgame trailer. I know we're taking like a side detour right now. No, that's cool. This is wherever this goes, where is where it goes. So like for Shazam, when I went Mm -hmm. to watch it, I was telling uh, my friends, I'm like, hey, man, let me know if the Avengers trailer because I don't even know what it looks like. The opening, like, wow, I don't know what it is. And like once it happens, like let me know. And have you you've avoided all the trailers? I watched the Super Bowl teaser. That's the last thing I saw. That's the only th- Wait, have you did you see the one before the Super Bowl teaser? Which one? It starts with Tony in the ship? Yes, I saw that okay, one. Okay, so you saw that one where so he talks to the helmet. Yeah, yeah, I saw that okay. one. Um and then I never saw anything else after wow, that. Wow, that's I, great. I, I legit got up when they're like, "Oh, this is it. This is it, Chris." I like 
I got up and it was one of those reclining seats. So I had to like crawl out of it. <laughs> and I like booked it out of the theater and I just waited. Wow. So, um, part of that too, That's is because discipline. Like, it is. And part of it is too, is because like I've invested so many years in the case of game of Thrones. It was like, what, like nine years, eight years, nine years. Yeah, eight, with, yeah, eight with, years um, at least. With Avengers Endgame, this is like a 10-year investment. I just wanted to pay the maximum payoff possible. And the thing with me as a as a visual storyteller who's cut trailers is like images stick. Mm-hmm. And so if they stick, I can piecemeal them into the movie when things are going to happen. Oh, and I don't yeah. want them to stick. And it's my it's my own fault for like having a brain like that. But well, that's what I, happens. Let me warn you right now. I've I've linked us two videos from Full Fat Videos about Captain America. They're I both about third. Don't watch them. Yeah. <laughs> They're both Thank about you. 30 to 40 minutes long, but they include footage from these trailers that you don't want to see. Right. And I'm they, so excited to watch everything after I watch it. Watch I'm going to watch all the things. And I can't <laughs> wait. I'm going to watch all the trailers. I'm going to do it all. Okay, let, let me ask you this. I mean, I know we can we can get back to Game of Thrones whenever. Sure, sure, sure. But what would for you as a story? You, you've told a bunch of stories. Iron Man, Cap. Let's even throw in Thor. What what's the resolution to each of these characters if oh, you're in man. charge? Wow. And you, or if you can't do all three, pick one and go. Okay. Well, I think the journey started with. Okay, so the the cinematic journey started with Tony. Right. Right. The Avengers journey technically started with Steve Rogers, but then technically technically started with Captain Marvel. Now in the sure, but more so Captain yeah, uh, yeah. Captain America. But with these OG guys, I just think that like you know part of the reason we're drawn to you know these stories of these Marvel stories is just the heroic myth, right? Right. People that can rise up to something that is better than what we are. Almost, you know, it mm. gives us something to to look up to. I think inherent in all of us is this idea that like we want, we want, um, we actually desire that, like that good, right? We We, want to see justice. We want to think that in that situation, we would do the same thing. Right. Um, truth truth be told, it's it's a lot harder in that situation to do the right thing. And so we look to these heroes because they can shoulder that and they can do it. Right. Right. Um, so because this, like, this whole thing started with Tony. I think the resolution ends with Tony, right? Okay. He's going to do something. I think all these, I don't know who's going to, who's going to key in on this um, theme of sacrifice, but someone's going to do it. And if I had to bet, um, it would be Tony you okay. know? or Cap. I mean, you know, I don't know. <laughs> I just don't know. <laughs> it's hard. I, I'm, I'm just super excited. All I know is like, I'm going to have too many feels, man. Like, I don't know how I'm going to be able to process this. <laughs> Like you talk about like the investment over years with these characters and it's one thing to do that in a TV show, but I got to give my hats off to Marvel to do this in film form. Right. That's incredible. That's incredible. Incredible. Um, yeah, they had their like, just like any TV show, like there were some like stupid episodes in between or like ones that weren't as good, but man, the scaffolding for this, uh, wow. Just remarkable. It's insane. Um, but like, see, so I, I, I think that I think so someone's hero's journey is going to come to an end. Um, hmm. I think there's definitely going to be something between like the the uh, Tony Steve Rogers dynamic that might play out. Mm-hmm. If I had to guess too. see, it's like I haven't watched any trailers. I don't even know any sound bites or, or quotes. 
Oh. So I'm really excited. I, I don't know. That, that You're in a great place in terms of not knowing anything. I mean, I will say the trailers that have come out haven't shown enough to... I mean, there's some things that are a little, maybe a little spoilery, but yeah. they're not things of, that you wouldn't have predicted to happen. Sure. And I, um, I love that the Russos, too, are spending time and they're they're going out there and they're saying, like, you know, we... Like, when they went to go watch Empire Strikes Back when they were kids, not knowing that feeling of, like, you know... And, and again, this is your own fault. Like, guys, Empire Strikes Back's been out forever. So, you know, <laughs> if you don't know the storyline, then that's on you. But when they found out that, uh, you know, Darth Vader was Luke's father, when they were kids, their minds were blown. And then they said, like, this is what we want the feeling to be for for the people that come watch Endgame. Like, yeah. we don't want this to be spoiled for anybody. And so if it were up to them, they're saying, like, yeah, don't watch anything. But because we know the nature of the beast, we're going to create stuff. And then they went on record saying like, yeah, we like fake trailers. We can create fake stuff. That's great. And I'm like, kinda, dude, I, amazing. <laughs> the fake trailer thing is, is a new thing that I think Marvel's definitely keyed in on, which I'm a fan of just because everyone analyzes these trailers so much that let's make it fun. Let's, let's, let's throw you off the scent just a little bit. And I love that they have like the resources to do that. You know, oh they're like, gosh. Oh, we're just going to create a brand new scene. Why not? You know, let's do it. And I love that everyone's game. They're like, okay, cool. Yeah, why not? You know, let's go for it. <laughs> if I had to predict, and this isn't spoiling anything, I would say one of those characters dies. For sure. And I'd say one gets written out. Written out like with a walk happy away, end. Walk away walk in away, the sunset. Walk away in the sunset. If I had to pick, I would say Tony gets written out to walk away in the sunset because mm. this entire time he's been going we have to prepare like i ha- I can't live my life mm-hmm. i would love to have a kid but we have wow. to prepare for this like this is the moment this is the end game i have mm-hmm. to do this like this is my obligation so if he can like walk off in the sunset and like walk away with pepper and they have a kid like that'd be a great ending for him he'd oh, never put be on beautiful. the suit yeah i think i think i do think cap dies um not only because this is the end of chris evans's contract apparently um but i also think uh, and this is from the video that I watched, so it's I can't take full credit for this idea. But ever since the first cap, he's been stuck in this mindset of I have to keep fighting these wars mm. because this is my like this is I can't move on. Like I'd right. love to I'd love to have a family with Peggy Carter, but that's never going to happen. Right. I'd love to you know. There's a scene in Age of Ultron where it's very small where he looks inside of Hawkeye's house. And he just thinks to himself, I wish I could have this, but it's never going to happen. So he's always been fighting this war. So for him, I think death is the way to go because he is at the moment now um, where he has lost everything. I mean, he literally at the end of Infinity War loses his best friend, Bucky, who he'll lie for. You know, in in Civil War, he lies for that character Mm -hmm. um, to cover his ass against Tony. And now that person's gone. So he literally has nothing left in terms of, you know, keeping him on this earth except to fight this one last time. Yeah. And this one last time, you know, I think for him, he fights this battle, you know, hopefully they win and he gets to go to heaven with like Peggy. Like yeah, that's where I a, see that going. Throw, he, that's like he, he seems like the perfect character to be singularly focused to throw himself onto that mission, right? Like right. he's the character that jumped on the grenade when he was a skinny kid. Right. He you is always I mean? the like, character that, in bad, like if someone, if the war is worthy of fighting and someone suggests to do it, like he will, get, he'll be the first one to get up and go, yep, I'm yeah. in. And he's always the, like every Avengers movie, if you notice, he fights Loki in the beginning. He's clearly outmatched. He fights mm-hmm. Ultron in the, in the Ultron. He's clearly outmatched. They even tell him you're outmatched. In the, in the Affinity War, it's a small scene, but he grabs Thanos' glove 
clearly yeah. outmatched. And Thanos Man. is like, holy shit, this guy's, what is this human doing? Right. Like, he's stopping me. He's, but he's always the first, even when he's outmatched. Yeah, no so, hesitation. No hesitation. So if there's anyone to make the sacrifice play, especially since now Tony already had that moment in Avengers. He did, I see he did, Cap. Yeah. I could yeah. see Cap having that yeah, moment right. in this. You're I don't right, know, but that's just my prediction. I don't know. I, this is not based off anything else yeah, no. other than um, the character arcs of these both of these guys. No, and I could I see, and I, I could actually see Thor getting killed right, very easily as well, because I feel like infi- like Ragnarok to Infinity War was such a great moment for him yeah. that I don't know how much more that character can can do. Right. You know, I don't know. Yeah. We'll see. I, that, this is all my armchair predictions, but for sure, man, I'm excited. <laughs> I can't. Can't wait. This what is you, like this is such a crazy time because like we've got, we've got Game of Thrones going on, right? And Infinity uh, or and Endgame and coming Endgame, up like, both at the same time. This is crazy. Both oh, culminating. No, let's not let's not forget Dark Phoenix. Oh God, <laughs> <laughs> Sansa Stark. Whoops, that's still a, that's still a thing. Uh, that's still a thing. That, do you do you have predictions for Game of Thrones? I do. I do. I was thinking about it today. Yeah. And uh, these I are don't have as many thoughts on Game of Thrones as far as it was just a small. It was like small predictions, not necessarily who ends up on the throne. It's just a, a prediction of how they they might play out the story. And mm-hmm. um, these are things that like I, it may by the time this comes out, who knows? They could right. be completely. You're gonna you know, look like the biggest and, moron ever. Yeah, yeah but whatever. I just think like you know, knowing what we know about Winterfell and knowing what we know about where the White Walkers are and how they've been kind of introducing us to the the crypt a little bit more in Winterfell. Even in the intro, I feel like that's going to play in the storyline. Oh, yeah. So I think some last stand stuff is going to be happening down in the crypt. I, they're, not, they're not walking out of Winterfell A-OK. They're not going to win this battle that's coming to their doorstep. It's not going to happen. No, not, not as the first pl- stand, like the first no. major outpost in a battle. I think, I think so. I think that they're going to lose uh, just like, you know, they lost on... Like it's gonna feel like an Empire Strikes Back loss. Mm-hmm. Um, it's gonna feel pretty brutal, and then they're gonna have either have to retreat to the Iron Islands. Like so, Theon might make a sacrifice play and tell them where they are. Like go there, mm-hmm. um, or they might straight up fly to King's Landing. You know, <sighs> yeah, that'd be and interesting too. If you remember, one of the this goes all the way back to I think this is season two. When Daenerys um, is trying to get her dragons back from that weird warlock, she has he puts her through this series of visions. Do you remember this? I do, but I don't remember all the details on. So the she vi- goes I, into this tent, yeah. And there's um, that's the last test. Like she sees, you know, um, Jason Momoa. What's his name? Caldrogo. 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 Yeah. Yeah. How could I forget? Love me some Caldrogo. <laughs> so she sees Caldrogo there, and then he's like telling her, "Stay with me," you know, and she almost feels compelled to stay in this tent, but she knows it's not real. But preceding that she walks into the, she walks out of the wall, um, at the night's watch. And then she like, sees like, you know, the wilderness Then she walks a little bit further. I might have the order mixed up, but she is in the throne room at, in the red keep mm-hmm. at King's landing. And it's the, the roof is completely blown off. Oh, it's snowing, it's snowing. Right? Yep, yep. snow everywhere. And let's see, that can mean one of two things, right? That can either mean, metaphorical snow as in Jon Snow is taking the throne or that can mean that the Night's King has come through with his freaking blue fire breathing dragon and wreaked havoc yeah on, that could be anything on, you know on King's Landing but that's where I feel like of course the last stand is going to take place that's where I think like the Golden Company is going to have to like 
you know, rally and fight. And that's where I think like, I don't know what's going to happen to Cersei or who's going to get her there, you know? Um, so there were two there. So it's that middle bit of like the crypt, um, in the intro. Mm -hmm. And then also at the King's Landing section of the intro, they reintroduced us again to that, uh, that giant crossbow in the dragon's lair. Yep. I saw that. What if that comes into play with the ice dragon, you know? So like, there are some things that I feel like I might be pulling uh, in. Right. Right. Um, so again, I mean, they are harvesting point, dragon glass. Right. Yeah. And so they could throw it onto that big freaking right. arrow and shoot it at the thing. I don't know how the action is going to play out. I just know that it's going to be very costly in the two to come. And I, I really have this feeling that they're just not going to be able to walk out of Winterfell without experiencing brutal Oof. loss. I think oh, we're all going to feel it. I'm <laughs> not ready for it, man, because some characters I really love. Just like, yeah, I, I could see a lot of these characters going away, which would be, would be tough. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I don't know if I'm going to be able to handle it. I remember watching The Red Wedding and going, oh, I don't, oh my gosh, I don't know if I can handle this anymore. Yeah, the character who plays the Hound, um, they have these like introspectives where the characters are now looking back. Mm -hmm. And his is great because he's talking about when he first saw The Red Wedding. He, he didn't... He didn't um, he didn't read that section mm -hmm. and he just ended up watching it on TV, I think. Okay. And he said he was crying. Like, he's like, I was crying like a little girl. Like, I was like, what is happening? <laughs> <laughs> he's like, no. <laughs> it's that, that, I mean, seeing that and not being spoiled, I, I wish, I wish anyone that watches Game of Thrones, well, yeah. if they see it now, if it's obviously, we're, we're kind of spoiling it, but it, I wish anyone that would start just Game of Thrones to it as the Red Wedding. Yeah, yeah. Just watch. Hopefully, you don't get too spoiled by the Red Wedding. Yeah. Prior, because you, I was lucky enough to not be spoiled. Incredible that, that, that wasn't spoiled, bro. Like, oh, incredible. Because you know, did I ever tell you what I first did when I started Game of Thrones? No. What was it? So I watched it on was HBO Go. Uh huh. And unlike Netflix, they put the last episode first on every. Oh season. no! You watched so the last episode. You watched the I, season I, finale. I watched the season finale first. <laughs> Not and had no clue what was going on. Oh man! And just going, what? This what none this of this show? makes sense. What is this sense. show? Like, yeah. Where's and the then, exposition? And then I and then I Wikipedia the first episode and I go, wait a minute, that's wait a minute, match none up. of this. Yeah, none of yeah. this matches up to what I just saw. But by you know two or three episodes in, I go, oh crap! I watched. I know that Ned's dead. I know he's yeah. dead already. I, yep. So I really screwed that up. Oh man! So that's what sold that. Yeah, and so if you went on the journey properly, that's what sold sealed the deal for me. Right. Like, when that happened, I said, "What kind of show am I dealing with here? What yeah. is this?" And they just kept doing it to you, and, and and it was crazy, man. Did you watch it from literally like right when it came out, or did someone have to recommend it to you? Someone recommended it to me. Okay. Uh, like this is back in the day when streaming services weren't a thing yet. So right. like I was renting like because none of us had HBO, so we couldn't even watch it live. So ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. I just rented. The DVDs on Netflix and you rented them. Man, <laughs> yeah, this is, you Netflix, rented the DVDs this is on Netflix. The Netflix awesome. DVD days, my friend. Yeah. Oh my gosh, I remember um, those days. Remember those days? That was crazy. I do. So I had like the Netflix, you know, DVD version of them and watched it that way, and then um, then downloaded the torrents for like uh, the beginning of season two, and then started the regular cadence of watching it with everyone else. So you're actually now. I'm glad you you have the great fortune of of waiting now. Like the rest of us had to do. I know for, that for every episode. That, that was uh, that's tough. Being now, it's hard. Uh, it's so accustomed. I'm so accustomed to the binge thing. Yeah. How do you feel? How do you feel about having it released uh, one episode at a time? That now that you've experienced it's, it's, that, it's hard, man. It's, it's hard. Challenging. I remember yeah. I had this experience with Walking Dead, where I oh, binged yeah. it. You could cut through. 
I cut through six or seven seasons and then had to watch it week to week. That was rough, man. I, yeah. I eventually I quit Walking Dead because of that. I mean, I quit because of many reasons, but right. that's certainly a factor is that you have to wait. And if, yeah. and if you don't like a particular episode or two, it can be really, it can be really exhausting to have exhausting. to wait, you know, yeah, especially with a show like Walking Dead where a lot of it is, you know, same you type of that? exposition. Actually, um, yes, I actually, wow. I actually watched this last season was pretty brilliant. I, I guess with, ex- with the exception of like four episodes. Wow. Okay. felt kind of slow. Um, the new showrunner, she killed it, man. Like she brought the show back to like this really great style of storytelling that mm-hmm. I was really surprised in the best way they, possible. They had to replace Scott Kimple. He's not a, yeah, he's, I think he's good at like a big picture, but dude, like he's, they, I don't know, you know, like the, the I, way, I understand why you quit. I, the way, I understand the, why everyone quit. The way they bungled the, um, what was the guy's name? Dude that played with the leather jacket. Oh, um, and the Negan. bat. Negan, the way they played up Negan and for it to, and the, the episode where it's the season finale and you see Negan and then you, he, he hits someone on the top of the head and you don't know who it is. Yeah, they bungle that. And they, the way they bungle that, I just, from that point forward, it was really rough to watch that week to week. And I, I was just so bitter at how they decided oh, yeah. to handle that. You know, so finale. like, so Game of Thrones was really smart in that like the penultimate episode was like almost the second to last episode. It was, Did you it notice was usually that? nine. Yeah, it was, it was usually like nine. In, in the middle somewhere, right? Right. Uh, usually nine, something crazy is and 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 that's when it would. And you had like one and more episode. Then ten would be to set up. Yeah, yeah, set up for the next season. Still chock full of craziness, though, right? Right. Um, Walking Dead left on this stupid cliffhanger. Like, mm-hmm. and what I will say now is, with the new showrunner, um, they pulled a little bit out of the hat from the walking from from Game of Thrones. And okay. they had their penultimate happen, and then they had a re- resolution episode. And it was awesome. Whoa. I was like, I did not expect that uh, type of storytelling. And visually, too, it was like the the first half of the season in particular looks great. Like, mm-hmm. Even episode one, if you watch the new episode, like uh, episode one of this season, you're like, wow, mm-hmm. this, is, this is really great. What like, season are they on? What are they on now? Nine? Okay. So would, would you recommend nine? jumping back in? Go watch nine. Yeah, honestly, so Mara would come home and she'd see me. Mara's my wife. Uh, to those listening, she'd come home and she'd see me watching the Walking Dead season, the previous season, mm-hmm. and she would hear from another room like, "That's so stupid! <laughs> what an idiot! Why is he doing that? Oh, this is dumb. Why am I watching this?" And then I'd watch, it, and then I'd do it all over again the next week. I just like, man, it was a really bad show. It was really bad, but it became great. Uh, Ooh, I, I quit midway through seven, so that yeah. was where I would have to Underst- jump back in. Understandable. They, re- oh, man, and then even what they did with Negan um, is pretty great. Is it okay? I mean, it's I know in the great. I know in the comics he, I mean, he doesn't die, so I, I have an idea of what's going to happen or what yeah, where man, he kind of ends up. Let me know if you end up watching it. Um, I'm a really one show at a, I'm a one show at a time guy, so I'll you. have to finish Game of Thrones first. I hear you. I hear you. Once oh, I get Game that resolution, so yeah, then I'll yeah, jump man. into Walking Dead. Yeah, I always wonder, like, I think to myself, like, what would The Walking Dead be like if it was on HBO? Man, so much it would probably better. be really great. <laughs> so much better. I mean, it would probably be really, really great. I really, like, when I binged it, I went binged and I went and binged, I think, one through five? Might have been six. I might have been yeah. midway through six. Um, Were they still enjoy- on the farm I, or the prison? I can't remember. The last the town? They went to the, the Alexandria. Okay. The last, that was the last episode i saw where they were in alexandria and there was a lot of like strife in the community because they were there 
Um, but I really enjoyed that ride for a good five seasons, six seasons. Yeah, man, it was super solid. I still go back to season one as being an amazing season. The best season, season. one was great. So good. Um, but yeah, you're right. You're right. They really lost their way. And I don't blame anyone for leaving the show. But the ratings have really gone down for them, too. They have. They really have. Um, man, the quality this year. It's good. It's worth getting back into. I think so. Okay. I think so. I mean, I trust your, I respect your opinion as a uh, connoisseur of art. <laughs> yeah, it's funny, though. I like, I'll, I'll still, so <laughs> speaking of that, like you guys know because I've said this in our little chat. Like I can I can't even tell you how many times I've watched Suicide Squad now at this point. <laughs> Not because I like it, but because every time I watch it, I think like, how can I make this better? And then you get to a point about like one third of the movie, and you're like, there's no making this movie better. Like no <laughs> amount of editing. Because in my brain, I'm like re-editing it. I'm like, I take this out, take this out. Maybe I can fix it. And then you get to a point where you're like, nope, this is unfixable. This movie is unfixable. It's the, the fact worst. That- the fact that Will Smith's Deadshot has three separate intros for his character. Oh my, dude. What? What? Why? <laughs> Why? No. Yeah. And then Why? also, like, how many times he says, I'm going to kill that guy and he doesn't kill anybody? Right. I'm going to kill that guy. He says it so many times. Like, I'm, that guy, I'm going to kill that guy. He doesn't kill him. <laughs> what do you think of, I mean, you, you mentioned you saw Shazam. Oh, you seen, you saw, have you saw oh, Aquaman too? I haven't seen Aquaman. Okay. And we'll not talk about seen, Aquaman. I haven't seen Aquaman and I haven't seen the octopus playing the underwater drums yet. You, you got Aquaman's worth a watch just for the octopus playing drums. I love uh, what our, our, our friend Irwin said about that on the chat. It's what like, did he say? He said that it's like James Wan felt like they don't know if they were going to get a second chance to make a sequel. So every frame was trying to be a home run. Just like yes, swing for the that, fences, man. Absolutely. Just put dinosaurs in the middle of the earth. Why not? Uh, there's that. There is dinosaurs. There's in the dinosaurs. It's, I heard it's about crazy. That. Yeah. Uh, what did you thing. think of Shazam though? I loved Shazam. Shazam was fantastic. I loved it. You know what? Shazam felt like a callback to like, it kind of felt like a callback to like nineties adventure movies to me Mm -hmm. in the best way possible. Like Mm. what I mean by that is like three ninjas or, um, uh, what is it? Sidekicks with Jonathan Brandis and Chuck Norris. (laughs) It felt like a great, like family friendly, you know, adventure thing. And what was really cool about it was like, Zach Levi playing what was he a 14 year old boy 15 14 15 yeah, 14 15 year old boy is doing exactly what a 14 year old 15 year old boy would do like if, like it's great when I'm watching myself in that I'm like this is bringing me such joy right mm-hmm. now like because he is doing all the things that I would totally do right yeah. um, and and it, it was just a nice reprieve from all the dark that we've been getting from DC you know yeah um, definitely it was just a nice, it was nice, man, you know, to, to get, to walk away from that and have just a traditional, fully well thought out movie with a story and a good character and good acting, you know. How did you feel in that moment when, uh, when they, they all touch the stick and they all become, they all get the power? That's another spoiler alert. Listen, guys, <laughs> you're going to come in here. It's your own fault. I'm telling you it's, right now. We, I, we said spoiler a while ago. Oh, we said it a while ago. This whole yeah. thing is spoiler alerts. Yeah. Um, it's, and it's all your fault. Uh, it's, all, it's, you know, it's my, it's, it's, if, if there's anyone to blame, it's me. So yeah, just this is the me. nature. You can write it in the description. We <laughs> will be spoiling the following things. I, I will. I will. Up, and that's on you. I will record an intro where I tell people, hey, I'm spoiling a lot of things. Yeah. So. And it's useless to put minute markers down because we just spoil a bunch of stuff. Right, right. Um. Oh man, we we got a, we got a pretty great response in our theater. Like people clapped. Same that thing. Part. I, Same thing. I wanted those powers, man. I was like, <laughs> I had no idea. So my friend leaned over. And he's like, I didn't even know. I didn't know they were going to do this. So 
to be honest, I don't follow the story of Shazam. So I didn't know that Shazam had like a Shazam family. He's got, it's, yeah, the Marvel family, I guess. The Marvel it's family, Shazam yeah. Shazam family. It can't be like Captain Marvel because of the rights, right? Right. It's, um, I guess it's a Shazam family. The now. Shazam family. But that was, that was brilliant, man. I that thought was it was awesome. so awesome. And like even fighting like the ghastly goons and stuff like that, that totally felt like a three ninjas thing to me. Like, you know, <laughs> you, you know, light them up, boys, you know, that type of deal. Um, but yeah, I thought Hadouken. it was good. Yeah. Oh, that was awesome. <laughs> the Asian and guy that, going Hadouken. That's again, like I clapped during that scene. Oh, it's so good. I was like, dude, that is again, something I would totally love to do. You know, find out <laughs> that you've got these powers. Why not say it? Right. You know, and, and the message is so nice too. You know, the, the whole time it's it, be selfish, look out for number one. And then he realizes, Hey, like it's better to share the, the wealth with everybody. Yeah. Let's do yeah. this together. It's like, okay, let's try it. Yeah, and that's what I meant. Like, by it was interesting that the the theme of this one, it was a hero's journey, but it was very family oriented. You know, yeah, like, it, it was family oriented. It was about a kid learning to become a better person, right? Through right. through his family. Yeah, man, like seeing that movie and seeing how it played out, like it just made me long for like well written DC characters. You oh know? gosh, I was just yeah. like, uh, I mean, aside from Wonder Woman, she's great. It was you know, Wonder Woman's good. Wonder Woman's yeah, good. Wonder Woman's good. Um. But yeah, this movie was was so fun. I think it was the it was a really great um, appetizer for <laughs> to clear the palate for for Game of Thrones and Endgame. Yeah, for, for sure. sure. Timing was like perfect. Did, does Google have their own movie theater, or do you have to go to a regular movie theater? Yeah, we so we have to go to a regular movie theater. But <laughs> Google has a cinema club and they screen movies. Really? Yeah. So like early. Um, early. Sometimes they'll invite speakers to come through and screen a movie, uh, an early screener. Um, How do you get that. in that club? Uh, so are you, you just, in it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you just sign up. There's like it's a, it's a group that you can sign up for. Like right. I remember they screened Eighth Grade um, when it was just about to come out. Um, I still haven't seen it yet, to be honest <laughs> with you. But they also have like a like they'll show like the classics, right? They'll like um, set up a big big screen out in like a this like big park, and then they'll mm-hmm. screen like Jurassic Park or something, right? For people. Um, yeah, but like. It, this kind of links in with some of the superhero stuff. Like I got to actually like see a slash kind of meet like Jeff Goldblum and like Ryan Reynolds and Olivia Munn. Cause they all oh, came to talk. At, yeah. That, they all yeah. came to talk at Google uh, at the what time. They, about, what like, did, where, yeah. What were they there for? Sorry. They were talking. So uh, Jeff Goldblum was talking about independence day of all movies. Um, he was what there with, the uh, he was there with Liam Hensworth. Um, and then we had, who else come through? It was, uh, Oh, Olivia Munn was there for X-Men Snorpocalypse. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, and uh, Ryan Reynolds there was, was there for uh, Deadpool too. Okay, that dude's okay. hilarious. In real is life. he in real life? Yeah. Just as funny. Olivia Munn is is stunning as well. Like she's really pretty, beautiful, um, beautiful. Okay. And so like to have these two beautiful people up there, like in our Google office, like talking, it was just too much, too much hotness up on stage. I mean, you got a pretty sweet um, goatee. What do you call that? A goatee? Yeah, it's like a like a beard stash goatee. Beard stash. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you got yeah. yeah that's well, when I met, well. I got to meet. Um, I got to meet. Uh, the guy who plays Glenn, right? Um, yeah, Yoon, Stephen Yoon. Yeah, Stephen Yoon. Yeah. I, I got to meet him at uh one of the comic conventions out here in San Jose, Silicon Valley Comic Con, hmm. and I was like, I told him straight up, I'm like, because you know, there's the photo line where you go up, and I'm like, hey man, I just want to say, you know, thanks for uh, thanks for representing strong Asian male characters on screen. Mm-hmm. You know, I really appreciate that. He's like, yo, brother, thank you. He's like, I appreciate that strong. Asian beard stash you got going. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, buddy. We broke <laughs> out for a bit. He's cool. I mean, I liked his character in in Walking Dead for sure. He's definitely not yeah, your typical cool. Asian. 
there's a lot of I mean there were I don't know if it's as much anymore but there was a lot of rumors when he was still on Walking Dead that he would eventually get to play Nightwing in a, in a movie oh, in a DC that would movie. be dope that'd be cool have you seen um, Batman Ninja yet is that a is it animated it's animated it's, no it's, I have it's straight up anime oh okay see I'm not a big anime guy it's it is let me just tell you it is wild it is it has like every quintessential like anime thing in okay. there so if you're an anime fan I think your mind's gonna be like wow this is this is crazy and then if you're not an anime fi- fan you're gonna be like yo this is crazy what is this <laughs> either way it's gonna be crazy either way it's gonna be crazy but I watched I, I'm, it. I'm looking at him now he's dressed like a like a, just like a samurai yeah a shogun. samurai yeah, yeah. And then the Joker is like a, 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 like a warlord. Uh, it involves time travel. It has okay. all the characters. Just in feudal it, Japan. In feudal Japan, it's got, and that's all Gorilla Grodd's fault. So oh, um, it's entertaining, okay. but it's really crazy. It's wild. Um, I might have to check that out. I mean, I wish it was. I wish it wasn't dubbed in English because the whole um, oh, it's creative, in Spanish or that's wow, Spanish, Japanese. It, it, you know what? I I wish it was I wish it was in Japanese and not dubbed in English because oh, the, the whole okay, creative team was all Japanese. Like if you look at the the credits, it's like a Japanese director, Japanese animators, like the whole nine yards, right? Hmm. So I just wish that like they left the Japanese voices intact, but they they did not. Hmm. Um, the dub over is just you know whatevs. Uh, okay. Well, I, the thing about dub is I grew up watching Dragon Godzilla Ball Z dub. No, oh, Godzilla. Godzilla movies, which is oh, the yeah. worst dub ever. So if I can watch those movies, I can I can get into I can watch any sort of dub. Oh man, Godzilla Spe- though. Speaking of the dubs though, are you are you converted over to the dubs? No way, dude. <laughs> no way. Okay, let me tell you straight up, I'm never going to be a Warriors fan. Okay. Oh wow. I'm never ever going to be a Warriors fan. Every like speaking engagement that I have, like where I have a chance to have an audience, I say. Listen, I'm born and raised in Chicago. I'm Chicago proud. We have our sports and we have our food. And we have like now like eight months of winter for yes. whatever reason. So yes. we're very loyal to our teams. And like I can concede talent, but that does not mean I will be a fan of your team. It doesn't work that way. That's not how any of this works, right? It's like that no. commercial of those elderly women who are trying to figure out Facebook and they're putting like photos on the wall. She's like, I put a photo on a wall. And then the friend goes, that's not how this works. That's not how any of this works. <laughs> so you've got these quote unquote sports fans who I think by nature of the type of jobs that are available in the Bay Area to um, like like uh, 20s to 30s, mm-hmm. it's it brings in a lot of um, transplants. Transplants, yes. Right? And so transplant culture, you got people coming from all over the place. And then you've got, which means fair weather fans, right? Right. Uh, so much so that the locals have to have these signs that say authentic fan. Okay. And I'm like, oh, that's so stupid. The fact that you have to like prove that you're authentic, right? Mm-hmm. But it's, people are like, why don't you become a Warriors fan? Like, you know, oh, no. Steve Kerr was a bull. And I'm like, yeah, Steve Kerr was a bull, but that doesn't mean that. <laughs> I'm like, you can talk to me when, you know, when y'all got six rings, you know, or you can talk to me when, you know, you've got like, you know, uh, what was it? A championship that also proves how many wins you got in the season. Look at right. you, Draymond. You know what I mean? Like the fact that the, what sealed the deal for me is when Draymond ran his mouth and he said that they were the best team in history during their seventy-three, 73 nine, nine yep. win or uh, streak, and then yep. they lost the championship. Man, yeah, Mar and can't. I went to the Mar went and I went to this beach in San Francisco, um, Baker Beach, which is really close to where we're at, 
It's got this beautiful view of the Golden Gate Bridge. We went and we celebrated that they lost. <laughs> wow. wore, wore my Bulls gear. I went to one Warriors game and I wore a Bulls hat. Wow. Man, I'm, <laughs> I'm raw like that, dude. Like, and I'll fight anyone that tells me that they're, you know, that. I, that I've never understood the cheering for, like, you know, like changing allegiances. I, you can't know, do it. I grew up in Chicago. I don't know how I could be anything other than a Chicago sports fan. Like, I, and even I don't, if I don't bad, get it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I'm I would, even if I left. Blackhawks fan. I'm always yeah, right. going to be a Bears fan. I'm always exactly. going to be, you know, Cubs fan for me because yep. I grew up on the north side. Same. I'm always going to be a Bulls fan. And you can't change that. You can't change that about me. Like, I've had text threads with people who are my friends out here that just try to prove a point. And I'm like, who, you, you guys, like, you're not going to win a convert here. It's not going to happen. <laughs> what I've noticed too, in the especially in the NBA, is a lot of people root for the athlete, so they just follow yeah. the athlete wherever he goes. Like LeBron, that's it's strange so to me too. Like, how, like I can just respect LeBron's talent or Steph Curry, yeah. but but wherever they go, I'm not rooting for them. If he comes Thank to you. Chicago, I'll root for him. Right. But other than that, like I can't root for the like I can't be like I want that team to win. Now, if the Bulls are out. Then I, of course I'll have my like preference, but I'm not. I'm never going to yeah. change allegiance. That that to me is a very um, might be like a millennial thing. And I, I guess I'm so. technically a millennial, but I'm on the older millennial. Same spectrum. thing for me. I'm like on the end tail end. I think like um, I just don't want the Warriors to win again. I you know Warriors well, fans Boogie are really obnoxious. Boogie just tore his quad. Ooh, yeah. In the last yeah. game. I didn't even know the playoffs were happening. He tore yes. it in the last game. He tore it on non-contact. And they lost. Uh, they lost. The, the Warriors blew a 31-point lead to the Clippers, no. so it's Oh, one, man, now one. i got to watch the highlights. All right. Yeah, that, that was yesterday. Sorry, and um, and Boogie tore his quad. I think he might be Dang, out for the playoffs, oh, which man. which might make it a little more interesting. Uh, yeah, it might. Might. Yeah. I mean, the Warriors are still the most talented team, but... Yeah, I hear I the know. Bucks are amazing. The Bucks right are really now. good. The Bucks are really good. But by by nature of like, so I think I'd, I'd go for the Bucks winning if that meant that they could beat the Warriors. But like, just because of how close the Bucks are to Chicago, I'm like, I don't really like. The Bucks. Yeah, I mean, you can't really. It's not like a Green Bay thing for me. So like Milwaukee, yeah. like Green Bay, I could never root for. But Milwaukee, no. I'm like, eh, yeah, they don't Milwaukee, get a lot. They kind of get a pass. It's yeah, they don't get a lot. Yeah. Nothing. Here's a here's a question for you. And I'm going to take this completely off topic. Let's go. So, only me and maybe you and the people that went to the specific church would know this. So you're, I would describe you as a perfect me. Oh, we're talking <laughs> heart motives now. Okay. But who talked to you about this? Was it me or was it Rex? It was Rex. Ah, it was Rex. Rex. <laughs> it was Rex. There's a few people that heard me that know, heard that I know about this and they're like, yeah, Tony, you're going to use that for diabolical things. I'm like, <laughs> no, I won't. <laughs> but what, uh, right, right, right. You're out in San Francisco. You're working for mm. the, we're working for the man. Mm. What, what's keeping you motivated every day? All right. So this is actually a solid question because um, give a little context of what, what, what you just kind of like. Yeah, I got lost about. on it. Yeah, no, which was great because I kind of have a new framework of how like I, I kind of frame my mind around it. Yeah. So back in college in the church I attended, we had this um, way of uh, understanding ourselves and it was called heart motives. The underlying understanding being that we are all fashioned in a way that we, we are generally disposed to want something, whether that is order, um, respect, uh, to you want to be known or you want to de- be deeply loved. Right. Those mm-hmm. were like four uh, things and they all, they each all had a name. And I think that was great because it helped us understand ourselves within a framework. It gave us a, an ability to, uh, look inward when in a culture where we don't often do that. I think people are afraid to look at themselves. Um, and I think that's why I enjoy so much like 
even that last season of Daredevil, right? Where he was really wrestling with himself, right? Oh, that's and, fantastic. And, and it's just like, you see it in, in some of the most um, popular shows, even Punisher, like he, like he, when he's forced to reckon with himself, mm-hmm. it's not a comfortable thing. No one right. wants to do that. But when you do that, you unlock and unleash parts of yourself that can be used for good, right? Mm-hmm. Um, redemption, if you will. And so um, the framework now that I'm working off of, like that was a great base to start with because it gave me the tools I needed to like say like, oh, this was important, right? Now there's this thing. Have you heard of the Enneagram? Do you know what this is? Would say that again? Enneagram? Enneagram, no. I've yeah, yeah, that. yeah. So uh, some of your listeners might know this. And you know, a lot of people reduce Enneagram to like a personality test, mm-hmm. but it's not really a personality test in terms of like traits and how you do things. Those are part of it, but really what it is talking about, it's like about the essence of a person, similar to heart motive. But with Enneagram, there are nine and it's like a wheel. Even if you Google it right now, you can see like the Enneagram wheel, right? Mm-hmm. Essentially, Enneagram is like, it's a tool for um, like excavating the essence of a person. Okay. It helps us take off our masks and it allows us to be essentially like a little bit more honest in areas where, where we've kind of allowed bits and pieces or, or fragments to maybe um, those fragments are just a little bit of who we are. Okay. But what Enneagram does is it uncovers the essence of who you are. And as you're uncovering that, you can see like how this like permeates into your life. Right. Okay. Uh, so like their idea, the idea here is there are nine human archetypes for character structure. And there are nine ways of us being in this world and how we interact with each other. And, and I think this has been one of the most helpful tools in work because as you see your Enneagram and you can understand people around you, then you can see like how best to, to make a team, right? Okay. It's the same thing with like strength-based leadership or um, what there's like the disc profile. Like, I was just going to say, side yeah. note, I, when I, I, in my job, I am in charge of hiring people under me and I do use a disc test. Yeah. Along with a motivators test as well, right. so it's in combination. So like, and there's the Myers Briggs as well, and so yeah. all these indicators are are great. But I think like, so there's this book that I've been reading through. Um, it's called The Sacred Enneagram by Chris um, Chris Hewerts. Uh Last name is H E U R T Z. If anyone's interested in this book, but he really does a great job breaking down each enneagram number. You can also go on the Enneagram Institute to take a test and, and this and that. But the test will free? only it's free. Oh, the wow. test will yield. Um, the test will yield a result for you and you can, it'll show you what you kind of like identify towards, but that really doesn't really get confirmed until you talk with people who know you, right? Mm-hmm. People who know you and know what you would really do in a situation can confirm whether that's true or not. Because I think sometimes when we answer these test questions, we, we answer what we want to do. We answer with the ideal self. Yes. Yeah. Right, right, yeah. right, right. So uh, like <clears throat> this list of nine Enneagrams, um, uh, essences not personality traits they each have a name like uh for instance like i'll tell you right now like i'm a four which is uh, on the on the list it's called like the idealist right also known as the dreamer um and so is that the is that the same as being individualistic romantic because i just have it yes yes Indi- yeah, yeah yeah the individualist romantic exactly also okay. known as the idealist or the dreamer yeah okay, yeah gotcha. it's in this pocket of like and then each Enneagram wheel. It's hard to describe without people like Googling it, but you could see like there's like a head center, a heart center, and a gut center. Like you think with your head, you're more logic. Heart is like your feelings, you're in your feelings. And then sure. gut is like you just think on instinct, right? So like the number ones, they usually, uh, they strive for principled excellence. 
right? As moral mm-hmm. duty. A lot of these people can be self-prescribed perfectionists and um, they really want order, right? Yep. Uh, twos, they want to, they strive for lavish love through self-sacrifice. So they're continually giving them themselves to receive love, right? Mm-hmm. Threes, uh, they strive for uh, appreciative recognition through, what is it? It's curated success. So success in certain areas will yield appreciation and recognition. And this is their driver. For fours, people like me, um, and it totally makes sense. Like people like me, we are all about authenticity, right? Mm-hmm. The idea of discovering who I am through through faithful authenticity, mm-hmm. right? And so um, like that's why, like for instance, I don't like fake life and Instagram life. Sure. Uh, you know, like, Instagram life can be fake life, but it's not real life, right? Mm-hmm. So if you are someone who follows it's, me, Instagram my, is basically all fake life. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but like, if you like follow someone like me and my like on my IG stories or whatever, like what you see is what you get. You right, know, like right, right. you can almost hear my voice coming out like through whatever it is I'm posting. Right. Like, sure. It is what it is. Um, so I'm like, I'm really about that authenticity and, and drilling that down. Fives are, they are. These are the people that are seeking like constant they love going to class right like (laughs) decisive clarity through thoughtful conclusions like they love Mm -hmm. learning um sixes are all about security right steady steady constancy it is through through confident loyalty be loyal to me in these situations will create security um that's what a six is like a seven is um uh, this is the person that loves experiences right imagine it like it's freedom through through the the freedom, through the independence that I have and that I experience. Like they love doing new things, right? Sure. Eight is, and then eight is, um, and each of them have a name. And I think the most faithful named one is the number eight, which is the the challenger, right? Sure. They, they yeah, have this that. intensity and they want like, don't tell me what to do. Unfettered autonomy is what they, they crave, right? And then like finally the number nine is peacemaker. They desire peaceful like harmony and peace um so that they can have rest right and that doesn't necessarily mean that they they sow peace and they're like trying to like make people shake hands it's just that they don't want strife so i have friends who are like like i can see them kind of like collapse into themselves but not Mm -hmm. do anything about it see it's not Mm -hmm. a matter of like oh like i'm a peacemaker i'm like more like a peace craver right right and so if anything shakes my world it's like ah like this is so frustrating for me so these are, and then, and then each of these, like Ooh, this you can, is rough. Yeah. I love this stuff. By the way, I, I, I'm the one that suggested at my job, we do personality tests. I'm oh, man. obsessed with this stuff. So oh, I'm, dude, already gonna, looking, I'm already, I'm already, I've this. already, yeah, I've already pulled up the fast, accurate Enneagram test, which I don't know if this is right or not. Yeah. It's an Enneagram test in less than five minutes, take but I'm, it and then see what it yields. And then you can take like the more. Um, robust <laughs> ones, and then people can tell you, like, you can confirm or, or deny. Like, well, like, I, oh, when, when you're I'm describing doing. these, and I'm looking at this, I'm going, I have a little bit of all these qualities. I don't know what sure. I am right now. So you can you can um, identify you can identify strongly with one the most, like a, yeah. like one the most, and then you have what's called wings, right? So I'm mm-hmm. I'm a four wing three, right? Ah. and then my wife is actually a three wing four. So we oh, completely so- understand. Got what it. is the main driver for each of us and also the main fear? And each of these comes with like a, an emotion as well, right? Right, right. Uh, a constant emotion. Um, and so 
it's interesting because like I said, like the, t- the, the tendency for people when they hear about this is like, Oh, it's another personality test, uh, whatever. But really, like I said, it's not that it's, it's the essence of who you are. Mm-hmm. And if you can figure this out, it's also a means to show you like, Oh man, this is actually areas where I haven't been truthful about how I've been in life. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and then if you uncover that, then you can see like, how can I be in my best version of this? Right. Sure. You can head towards that best version of you. And also like, um, there are arrows on this Enneagram wheel that point to when you're doing poorly or where you're, when you're doing well. Right. Mm-hmm. So like, for instance, like on the Enneagram wheel, um, the four, when I'm doing, uh, when I'm, when I'm not doing well, I am a one. I'm sorry, when I'm not doing well, I'm a two, right? Mm, okay. So that means like as someone who craves authenticity and is in his ideas and wants to thoughtfully express those ideas, when I'm not like at my best, what I'll do is I'll slink into the background and I'll just help. I'll be like, I'm, I'm happy to be your number two. It reminds me of when I was uh, freelancing and I couldn't land a job to save my life. I, I was happy to take a job as a coffee boy on productions. Mm-hmm. And... I was really doing bad in that season, right? I didn't think that I had what it took to, I was like, I was trying to be a freelance filmmaker and, and I just didn't think I had what it take to, so to, to express that, my ideas. That's and when so you're I, settling basically, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I started looking like this way. That's not how I really am. Right. And it's not making you fulfilled. No. And then, right. no, not at all. And then right. when I'm, when I am doing well, I also take on the characteristics of the number one, which is that person that, um, is very principled and is about, order and bringing order into chaos and a little bit more perfectionistic, right? Like the perfect me and the right, right. thing that we we're talking about. And I think that's why I identified with that idea of uh, the perfectionist before, but really it's not, it's not really about, you know, necessarily telling people what to do. It's about the fact that like I have these thoughts and ideas and that's why I genuinely love a podcast like this. Cause we can just talk, right. And we're just yeah. expressing thoughts and ideas I love and it. Communicating those things and, and it means so much to me, right? To be able to do that. It's I find inherent meaning in this. And this is why my job is a storyteller, a visual storyteller. I like I'm so thankful that I have a job that actually works with my strength, right? Mm-hmm. Um and so like I think if people take the time to figure out this wheel, right? Uh and figure out where they are, not only does it help you understand yourself, but it also helps you understand your interpersonal relationships as well. I know it's helped for my marriage, my friendships. I, I can't talk enough about it. So I, I would love to. I mean, I'm probably going to end up taking it. I'm looking up the one, the Enneagram. There's one testing that's a twelve dollar code. I think that might be. Yeah, is that on the Enneagram Institute? The Enneagram Institute. Yeah. So yeah, that would be I'm, the official one. You should do it if you love doing this stuff. Well, you should I'm do definitely going to. I mean, well, the thing is, so I took that disc test, right? Right, right. And it, it was, it's about your behaviors and then your motivators. And what I found out about my motivators is, I'm, I am, I am individually motivated. Like I love to win. Not necessarily win in terms of, um, you know, I'm going to cut the guy off in front. Like, I'm not that competitive. But right. I, I recognize the importance of standing out. I, I'm money motivated, so I recognize the importance of money. Mm-hmm. Um, but the third thing on there that's one of my top three is I love to learn. Like, mm-hmm. I love to learn. So that's a big catalyst for this podcast is I love doing the Jack and Nerd podcast. It's, it's fun. It's a great time. It's fun to talk about comic book movies and TV and all that stuff and just right. have, com- you know, have opinions on things. But the essence of this is I'm talking to different people from different backgrounds that I've met through um, school, life, 
podcasting. And I'm just here to learn. I'm just here to have a conversation. And I think conversations are important in terms of learning about things because everyone has different personal, you know, yeah. everyone has different experiences. Everyone comes from different backgrounds. So if I can learn and have a great conversation with someone, then this is fantastic for yeah, me. So for we, sure. Which I is a big reason it, I started this. I, and that's why I think this, this spinoff podcast is so great because, you know, what you're essentially doing is we're doing what people don't do enough of. They don't this do day this. and age is they don't sit and talk, man. No, no one's who's. When's the last time? I mean, maybe you do because you like to talk to people. But how often do people sit down for an hour to two hours, two two and a half hours, and have a one-on-one conversation? It's true. I'm fortunate right? enough. Like I, I can say, the closest my my closest compatriots and friends, those are the type of people that I have those kind of conversations with. We go for sure. a long time and we just we suss it out, right? That's I, so I, cool. I, lo- I love this stuff. Like I, I wish. I could like pat like there's the um, languages love test that I took yeah, as well. Love languages, uh-huh. yeah, that one's great. Um, but I wish like everybody could take these tests because it would help. The, when I take these tests and I when I give them to the people that I hire, I know so much more about them and how to for like sure. manage them and how to deal with them. Like I, I, for me, knowledge more knowledge is always helpful. Absolutely, and the more you can learn about someone or something. I mean, it's it's to your knowledge is definitely power. No, I, I totally 100% agree. And I think that like, if you are a type of leader, which is great that you're doing this for your teams, because I feel like this is integral to understand how people are wired and how mm-hmm. best to speak to them, right? Right. And how best to raise their strengths, right? And that's the idea. Like, I, this is kind of like my main um, identifier as in terms of figuring out who I am. And mm-hmm. then, you know, you go along with the Myers-Briggs and strength-based leadership, and then I have a, a, a pretty round picture of how mm. I am as a person. Um, but like, I think that it's, it's really important to, to not just like treat everyone the same. No, that's in the that's, sense that, yeah, because they're not, everyone's wired everyone's, differently. Everyone's wired differently, you know? And I felt like this too, like with uh, the book that I'm reading through, like the sacred Enneagram that speaks a lot to how Enneagram works with like your spiritual nature as well. Right. Mm-hmm. And, um, it talks about like your, you know, how this would look like in relationship to God and others too. You know, uh, I thought that was really cool. Like in your investigative podcast journey, I really enjoyed your, and I, I'm sure you've heard this, but I really enjoyed your talk with TJ. You know, I I've heard I've heard a lot really of good great, feedback man. about one that. Yeah, what was really cool is one of the things that he said, and I, I ascribe to his his method of faith is that like, listen, I'm not here to judge you. You know, that's not my job, right? Mm-hmm. My job is to is like TJ in the sense like, cause I identify as a Christian as well. My job is to uh, live out the two greatest commandments, right? Which is love God above all and love others mm-hmm. as you love yourself. That's it. And mm-hmm. so, and like in, I always quote this too from, from the matrix in that sequence with commander Locke and Morpheus where mm-hmm. commander Locke is getting so upset at Morpheus for, for wanting like a ship to go check on Neo. Like commander Locke is so frustrated. He says, damn it, Morpheus, not everyone believes what you believe. And then Morpheus responds, he says, my beliefs do not require them to, right? Mm, yeah, it's yeah, like, yeah. It's like, I'm, what I believe in doesn't require you, you to get on my level. That's not my job, right? Mm-hmm. Like TJ said, it's his job to just point, right? I can point you in that direction, right? right? Uh, by loving on people and that's it. That's how I see faith life as well, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then with Enneagram, what this does is it helps me understand like, how do I receive my relationship with God and with others, mm-hmm. right? How is he speaking to me as a creator, right? Um, like as someone in a creative position. And if this is my essence, then what is he trying to say to me through this? Or how could I best 
be the best version of myself for right. fashion to be. Um, it's pretty deep and that's what I appreciate about it. Like I, I, I'm not one to be a surface level person for one. Mm-hmm. I think, um, if any, if anything over the years, I've, I've desired to go deeper in and see, you know? Um, so yeah, just thought- yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm fully on board on the, like the let's like, I, I've always been the type to want to figure out why, like, mm-hmm. why is this person this way? Like, let's not right. just take this at the surface level of like, that's why that when I have people that are like super strange or awkward or anything, I, I don't go, man, that guy's weird. I go, okay, well, how, what are the circumstances to led to the, this person getting to this way in their For life? Sure. You know, and then, okay, how, what are the best ways to now relate to this person so that we can communicate? You know, that, that's always been something and like intrinsically in me is finding out why. Right. Right. I, I, I mean, like, like you, you know, I'm not saying that's the best way to live, but it's the way I like to live. Yeah. I think that, know? I think like, and that's, that's the whole, I, that's the whole idea though. Right. In order to give, to really be able to, understand a person's journey you can't just brush them off and be like they're, they're strange you know mm-hmm. or like they're not like me right the end right right guess what like life's not like that you're going to be around people <laughs> <laughs> you know there's going to be people in your team there's going to be people in your church there's going to be people everywhere that you're dealing with on the daily and you can either just let it pass and it'll be a passing thing or you can take the time to really understand them as people and i, I choose the latter you know i do because I think that's a better life to live, right? The, the Enneagram meaningful. is basically the next level. Uh, what was it? The the language? No, it wasn't language. Oh, the uh, uh, oh, heart motive. Heart motive. Oh, yeah. it's 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 you know to quote what is it? P Diddy. Two levels above you, baby. Love me, baby. <laughs> I'm gonna make you love me, baby. Yeah, it's, you, it's 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 intense. It's great. Have you ever done the languages of love test? I have. Yeah. Do you, do you still remember what's important to I you? I do. So what's important to me are words of just so that I have to love you. <laughs> words of affirmation was that are, right are words of affirmation yeah. yeah so i like to receive words of affirmation mm-hmm. um and then what was your last do you remember my 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 which was that which one was the least that you didn't really give it? oh um it was a toss-up between gifts and time maybe ah okay oh wow okay but so, um words are what i like to receive mm-hmm. and then but then you give something different I too, give, right? Yeah. Yeah. I give um acts of service. Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I think maybe I learned that from my dad. Like my I always saw my dad around the house growing up, like cleaning or cooking or like doing something, like working in the garden, doing stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Um and he's far better with 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 his hands than I ever will be. Uh he's got like the greenest of green thumbs and he's just this brilliant engineer. But mm-hmm. Uh, in the same way, like I've taken on those traits around the house, you know, like I'll do stuff around the house, try to be a handyman, try to do this and that from like, make sure like my wife has a full gas tank if she's going to take out the car, you know, all these like small, the really small things. Um, but what's interesting though, is like, I got to remember that like she wants quality time, right? <laughs> not just, not just my access service. Right. Mm-hmm. And she also has to remember that, um, Oh, like it's access and then it's like words and, or like touch, you know, that too. Right. Mm-hmm. But it's like, she has to remember that like words are not lost on me and you can't just like say flipping things because the words will matter. Mm. That's yeah. so important. Yeah. How about what was it for you? What was your least in your, what do you well, like to one, receive and what was the one you like to give to show your love? So I'm still trying to figure out what I like to give. I haven't, okay. ta- I haven't found a test. I need to find the test that does measures that. Okay. Because the one the one I took from it was like languagesoflove.com um, or five languages of love. So the the one that I receive I like to receive the most and it was pretty high was quality time. 
Uh, so yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm yeah, all about good. undivided attention. Like you, if you're with me, like if I'm hanging out with you one-on-one and you pull out your phone, I almost always will say something unless, yeah. unless you apologize right off the bat and go, Hey, yeah. I have to check this. But if I go, you know, if you pull out your phone, I'll be like, come on, man, put your phone come on. Away. man. We're together. Yeah. We're hanging out. Like this is me and you. We out here. Right. And if you ever like postpone on me or, you know, you know, or, uh, uh, just what's, what's the word that they, when people just don't, don't show up. Is it ghost? ghost me yeah if you ever yeah. ghost me oh man i'm gonna kill you <laughs> <laughs> so yeah that, that's always like i'm i'm a big time quality time, time. time. um my last like receive yeah that's what i like to see my least was physical touch okay so like how like holding hands like that's so i always get criticized when i'm whenever i've been dating girls that i don't show enough affection yeah physically because yeah like i, I i'm not big on i don't see the importance of like holding hands or right, hugging right. in public or kid, like, I'm just like, you're with me and you're with me and you have to have the confidence to be with me and not know. Mm-hmm. I don't have to show you that I'm always with you. And then, so in terms of giving though, that's the one thing that you don't, you're not sure. Yeah. I'm not sure. I, I think I like to give, I li- like, I like to give gifts. Like I'm, I'm big mm. on being there for people's birthdays or be- being there for like big, like anything where I need to Showing be there. Up. Yeah. Like I'm, to I give need to- time too, man. I might, that might be it too. I might be just yeah, a quality they don't have time to be person. Different. It could yeah. just be time, time. Yeah. You know? It might just be time because like any birthdays that happen, any anniversaries, any, like if I have work, I'll show up like I, cause I work late in the night. So I'll work 10 and 11 o'clock at night. I'll wow. still show up after like I'm always there. Even if I have work Solid the next friend, day. That's so that, that's my, I think that's, it might be quality time as well, but I don't, I think I'm so. not 100% sure. We're wondering percent sure on that. I think the, I think the biggest indicator isn't necessarily like taking a test for it, but it's, it's like, it is essentially, you know, uh, getting feedback from friends. And yeah. The, like, hey, man. The, the thing is, too, so on my disc tests, so my highest is being steady. Like, I'm all very consistent. Mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. my um, influencing, which is my emotion, and my compliance, which is my logical sign, are basically identical. So, which means there are times when I can be really, really, like, rational, and there's some times where I can be really, really romantic. Like, I have this push pull every day of like, should you be logical or should you just go with your gut? Mm. Like every day, every, like every day I, I, I could see the reasons why I could do either. Well, again, so, if I'm looking at the Enneagram wheel, here, <laughs> like, because if you're, if you're a five, you're still in the heart emotion sector. Yeah. And then, but then like when you grow up to, to like, uh, the, ch- like the, the whole challenger section, when like you get competitive and stuff, that's mm-hmm. in the, that's in the, the gut side. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and seven is also gut. So you're like a gut heart person, potentially who knows? I don't know. I have to take the test, but I I know that, I know that, uh, my behaviorally, I can be very logical and very emotional at any time. Like either one is, is a factor for me. And they both, they both, um, the, and both of those things being even along with my steadiness being my highest Mm -hmm. means that at least from the, the guy that talked to me about the disc test, he goes, People will just like you and they won't know why they like you, but you just come off as likable every time to someone. Mm, 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 like mm. The, people will meet you right away and go, Oh, I kind of like that guy. I don't know why, but I kind of like him. Like there's just a good feeling around because I can understand your, you, you being emotional, but I can also understand your logical side as well. Do you know your Myers Briggs as well? I do not. Yeah. I got to do that too. That's a good tool to know as well. I think, I think it's all good to be honest oh, with you. Like knowledge. I'm one of those, I'm one of those, exactly. I'm one of those people that's not like, 
Oh, Enneagram only. Oh, you know, <laughs> strength and leadership only. Only love language. Like that's that's it. Like I like knowing because these are tools. They're all just tools, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but it just so happens that like the the best tool that I found at this point in time for me to to be able to speak about it is the Enneagram, um, and and also in combination with my Myers Briggs, right? So like we're talking about like feelings or thinking. So like I'm actually like super double feelings. Like I'm I'm like in my feelings, right? <laughs> uh, like Drake. So. So because like four falls under the feeling side of the Enneagram, but mm-hmm. then my, my Myers-Briggs, if for those of you out there, if you're interested, I'm an e, e, uh, ENFP. Okay. Um, so E is like extroversion, N is intuition, F is feeling, and P is perception. Okay. So there's that feeling, right? Feeling side. I feel so deeply. Like, and I think, I think that's why, that's why I know that I'm going to have all the feels during Endgame. Like it's going <laughs> to wreck me. Um, but, and, and the feels go so deep, the more I'm invested in something, right? But man, here's something funny. Yeah, go for so, it. So in the, this episode of Game of Thrones, and it might just because I'm coming off the emotional high of being at Coachella and now it's, you know, it's done, that weekend's over. I'm not with my friends anymore. I'm back in the real world. But that first scene where, um, uh, John sees Arya. Yeah. Or was it, was it the John sees Arya? No, no. John comes Bran in. First. Bran, he hugs Bran. Oh, man. Dude, he hugs Bran and I go, I'm like, oh my God, I think I'm tearing up. I'm like, and I, and I say out loud, it's been so long since they've seen each other. Dude. <laughs> I'm like, oh my God, what's going on here? No, you're not the only, I said that out loud too, man. I was like, yo. I was like, I was, was getting so sad. Good. I was like getting sad. And I was like, but I was like sad, like happy sad. And I was yeah. just like, but why am I getting that way? I'm like, but it's been so long. You're supposed to feel this way. Yeah. It's a reunion. He, he kissed him on the head like when right. he kissed him uh, on the way out too. Does, and does do you remember? Does he know that Bran is now? No, he doesn't know that Bran's Bran bought nine thousand. Okay, so he just he's just seeing Bran. <laughs> he just thinks he's seeing his grown up brother, and then that's right. why he gives him that look at the end, like what? Like, what <laughs> happened to you, man? Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, I'm 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 a feels person, I think as well. Uh, yeah, I think like I think if you can figure that out on also on your Myers Briggs, and you can see like you know like like I said like for me, um, there's the side that is like intuition as well but i mean like let, not to say that i don't think with my head but like i really do like have i think with like my heart that's why i think i identify with like a lot of the heroic characters that will just go for it mm-hmm. you know like that is something that really resonates with me i think i think that's why i love cap so much you know yeah see just, you know, here, here's the like, thing like here's the thing so i, I told you i'm logical and emotional Mm-hmm. I, I battle every day with who I think I like better, Cap or Iron Man. Because mm. some days I'm like, I see what Iron Man is the rationalist. He see he is it is pragmatic with this guy. This is the this is the right. problem, right. this is the solution, these are the steps to do it. And then right. Cap is like, This is the problem, let's get it done and let's get after this right now. Let's not think about any plans, let's just go and do this. Like So so you might have an Enneagram that is in the feelings side, mm-hmm. and then your Myers Briggs might have because like opposite of feeling in the Myers Briggs mm-hmm. F is T, right? Thinking, ah, right? Yeah, so yeah. you can do both, right? Like and that's what I mean. Like you're not one and then not the other. You can actually have both, right? Sure, sure. Uh, I think uh, for for um, Mara, she is definitely she is definitely someone that would identify more with uh, Tony for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because her, even though she's in the feelings sector for her enneagram, mm-hmm. she is ESTJ. T is thinking, so she's super rational. Mm-hmm. Very like pragmatic, um, like very calculating. I think the character she identifies most with on Game of Thrones 
Um, okay, I'll say redeemed and unredeemed in the sense like the redeemed is like the good side character of things and then unredeemed is like terrible person. Mm-hmm. Arya is the person she identifies with the most like mm. in the sense that like no one sees what's coming in this small person. Mm-hmm. She's super strong and no one gives her a chance but is very calculating and strategic. But then unredeemed because the nature is completely unleashed is Cersei. That in the she sense is, that she is the thinking planner to the T. Yes, if there's she, someone out there that is the thinking like brain in yeah. all of Westeros, it's Cersei Lannister. Well, right? I mean, she is the. I mean, she is. Again, people hate on her character, you know, and and rightfully so. She's done some despicable things, yes. but you got to think about. Okay, this is kind of you know back in the day stuff. As a woman back in the day, the only way to get to the point where she's gotten is what she's had to do, right? Because women are so disrespected in that era mm-hmm. that the only way to get to a point where she can protect her family and get the power to protect her family is to do the things she's done. Right. So she's been extremely calculating, but also very strategic because she wants to protect her family and she's she's gotten this far. Like you right. have to and commend in, her character for that. Exactly. In a way, what she's done is completely commendable. Right. right. These are but the things then, she had to do these things. But then wildly wildly awful. Right. You know? <laughs> <laughs> But if but it, that's if, what I mean, like, but her main would, goal was to protect her family. Like that's what yeah. she wants, and she I mean, wants to always, keep the name going. We always joke about it, man. Like the character I, I identify with is dead. It's, it's like Ned Stark, right? <laughs> I'm like I died already. I'm dead. I, I don't even. I'm, I'm not even in this game anymore right now. Like you might last longer because your your Myers Briggs might have a thinking side, but like I'm sure. dead. I'm like all feels, man. Like <laughs> let's do the right thing, and then he's dead. Yeah, right, right, right. Yeah. What? Um. Here, I, I got one more question to for you. For sure, man. Um. Someone I I watch these videos by Wisecrack, which TJ yeah, Johnson. You mentioned, you mentioned that in your um, yeah. TJ Johnson recommended this to me. I haven't, I, yeah, I was I wrote that down as something I should check out, but I didn't check it out yet. So one of the um, big themes of Infinity War um, is this this idea of killing one to save a million. You know, like yeah. Cap is like we we don't change we don't trade lives. We don't whereas, trade we don't trade lives. Captain. We don't trade lives. Whereas there's some other characters that. You know, even and Thanos especially is the 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 dichotomy to that. He is more than willing to kill millions of people, billions, yeah, to save lives because he's doing right. it. So it's the idea of utilitarian consequentialism. I didn't make this. I didn't. I didn't know these terms until I watched this video. Hmm. Utilitarian consequentialism versus deontology. Utilitarian consequentialism is basically kill one to save a thousand. There's there, you can do something heinous as long as it's for the greater good. Whereas deontology is, you can never do anything that would put your soul in a bad, dark place. Where you can never do mm-hmm. anything hate, heinous, even if the consequences might be good, you're still doing something heinous. Yeah. I, where would you fall on that? Because <laughs> that's what these deontology for sure. I, I can say. Well, yeah. That. I mean, as a, as a as a the Christian core, person, right? Well, yeah. And then the core of who the core of who I am. That's just the idea that I resonate with the most. You know, mm-hmm. like I see the logic. Like the compelling thing about Thanos as a character. And Killmonger as a character, arguably like two of the best written Marvel characters, that they make sense. You know? Like what they're saying makes absolute sense. But then there's just that thing that says like, that's just wrong though. Right. You know, like what you're doing is wrong, but I see why you would do it. And it makes 100% sense, but that's not the way to go about it, right? There's got to be another way. And then sometimes there's no other way, right? But then... Should it happen at all? That's the question, right? 
Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's, that's, wow. That's actually a solid breakdown. I, I think like, I think that what is there? Some, is there a, a phrase for the opposite? Like of, the, the idea of like, cause the way I'm seeing it is in the negative sense, like save, wait, wait, killing a thousand to save. So yeah, the, I mean, utilitarian consequentialism is basically, yes, you know, the, it's the runaway train idea of, okay, you're running, you're, there's a runaway train, you have two paths, one, oh, right, one, right, right. one, one will kill has, one person, one will, one will kill one kill. person, and one will kill ten. You know. Do you watch The Good Place at all? No, I don't. That's where I heard this from. There's this yeah. sequence. Or, the Good Place is a really great. Like, okay, if you're uh, if you're uh, um, if you're into like character study, mm-hmm. The Good Place is a sitcom on NBC, right? And it's written by. Did you do you ever watch The Office at all? A little bit, yeah. Okay, do you, do you remember Dwight's cousin Moe's? on the farm like he mm-hmm. had that cousin with a beard yeah so he's one of the writers on the office but he's the one that wrote this show and the the whole premise behind the show is that this woman um uh she wakes up in what we presume is heaven right okay she's dead and this is the afterlife and so how people got there was like their good deeds uh weighed out their bad deeds and now they're there but you find out within the first five minutes this is not spoiling anything that she's like she's in the wrong place. She shouldn't be in the good place. She should be in the bad place. So she got here somehow by accident. And so that's what the whole show is about. It's this comedy of like, why is she in the afterlife in the good place? And um, she has to figure out how to navigate like like moralism, decision-making, like this uh, utilitarian, um, say it again? Consequentialism. Consequentialism. Yeah. This actually played out in an episode where they actually had a physical train and they had to choose they're like, all right, choose. Who are you going to run over? Right. Like this, like, uh, save the one person by killing all these people, or the the other opposite to be true. You right. Know? So I think this is a show. If you're knowing Oof. how what you shared about like how you um, think about people, this is a deep show, man. Like it's comedy, but like it really delves in deep. It's awesome. Well, the, the, then let me read the. I have to read the trolley debate so that I get it correctly. Yeah. In the, there's a runaway train speeding towards five people, or it could be a hundred, who are tied to a track. If you pull the lever, the trolley is diverted, and you kill one person instead of five. Right. That's the that's the debate. Um, no, I love this stuff, especially like again mentioned. I'm very logical, but I'm also very emotional, so I'm like, yeah. I can see the benefit to both. What, yeah. Do you ever do you ever read comics? Oh yeah, yeah. Um, so one. Well, I was comi- a '90s comics kid. Um, ah. I, I got into. Um, I got into some graphic novels though recently. So, so what I, I would recommend, what I would recommend, is Jonathan Hickman's run on uh, New Avengers, and then it, it dives into Secret Wars and all these other things. But um, his run it was probably released four or five years ago. It's the best run I've ever read in comics. Is there but a it, trade paperback version of it? Uh, I think there is a trade. Um, okay. Just look up Jonathan Hickman New Avengers or whatever. Um, but it's basically the the storyline is there's in Marvel there's this thing called the Illuminati. Mm-hmm. Everyone's heard of the Illuminati, but this in this one it's uh, Black Panther, uh, Black Bolt, Doctor Strange, Reed Richards, Iron Man, Cap, and like Beast and Namor, like all the all these different people from that represent different factions of the Marvel universe. Yeah, and they run into this situation where they have to come back together. So they're they're the Illuminati is like running the world in secret, and they come they have to come back together because apparently Earth is the focal point for these collisions happening between universes. So Earth, like Earth, our Earth, and then Earth from a separate universe are on a collision course. And this keeps happening over and over and over. And they have to, they, every time this happens, they're put in a, in a position where they have to decide if both Earths collide, 
both universes go away. But if they're able to put a bomb on the other Earth, Whoa. they can destroy that Earth and save both universes. Oh, man. So they're always having to go to the other Earth and then deal with their counterparts on the other side and look them in the eye and go, I'm going to have to kill you. Wow. And like, there's different people. Like, for instance, not to spoil anything too much, but Cap is totally against doing any of this. He's like, we need to find a different fucking solution. Yeah. Where Iron Man's like, this is the most rational thing we have to do. It's such a good story. Because like, it puts... Oh, wow. It wow. Puts, yeah, it puts the, the strongest characters in the Marvel Universe or the smartest ones in the Marvel Universe in a situation where they can't punch their way out of the situation. That's crazy, man. Yeah. I, I, that's some good writing right there. Yeah. That, so you're that, putting, I always love that yeah. stuff. Wow. Where it's That's not just a, you know, and I hope, I, I think Avengers Infinity War, are not Infinity War, in Endgame, I think they might put them in a situation where it's not, um, I saw a prediction on Wisecrack where it's like not a, they're definitely going to fight a lot, yeah. but they might, they might put them in a situation where they're going to have to appeal choose. to Thanos's other side, or wow. choose, or something, yeah, where it's not just a, a punch fest, it is, okay, let's choose, like something man. has to happen here. I'm not ready, Tony. I'm not ready, man. <laughs> I'm not ready either, man. Let me sit with awesome. my feelings. <laughs> awesome. That's awesome. Well, I think I'm going to gonna check that out for sure. Definitely yeah. should. And I think, well, we can stop it here because we've been going for a little bit. For sure, man. Yeah. But hey, do you, is there anything you want to, I always end this with, is there anything you want to plug for anybody? I don't know I want to plug right now. And if it's nothing, that's cool too. Um, <laughs> yeah, actually, I have a, I have, um, let me see. I will plug for those people who are looking to get into. I have one more Enneagram plug, I guess I could do. Oh, yes. Yeah. One second here. Oh, no so. problem. It's a great I conversation, mean, Tony. I really appreciated this, man. Oh, it's awesome, dude. I love doing these, man. Every one of these has been really fulfilling, and I've been wanting to do one with you. So, what's really cool, too, is like just hearing where everyone's at and the topics that, that get brought up. It's pretty have, have you listened to other ones? Well, yeah. So TJ was the main one. And then mm-hmm. was the, I listened to. There's another dude that you interviewed. Um, what was the sub? What was the subject matter? Again, these actually these all go over, all over the place. So, oh, gosh, everything is blurring together right now. <laughs> I put you on the spot. I'm sorry. Yeah. All right. Here. So here's what I can share. Yeah, I got this now. Okay. So, wait a minute. Did I pull it up right? Okay. So, yeah. Yeah. So okay, I got it now. All right. So. Um, I know we've been talking a lot about Enneagram. So uh, like I mentioned the book, it's called The Sacred Enneagram by Chris Hewitts. And then there's another book called The Road Back to You, um, which is another Enneagram book. And then Enneagram Institute also puts out their own book. So the two books that I mentioned are definitely uh, the first two, The Sacred Enneagram and The Road Back to You have a definitely like a spiritual or Christian spin to them. Mm-hmm. So if you're looking to dive into that, it's actually really great because Enneagram, you know, it's, it's it talks about the essence of a person, but- mm-hmm. Um, the other two also bring in spirituality, which I think is important for, uh, you know, a lot of people out there. But, um, if you, the, what really made Enneagram click for me, and this is a total four thing because four is we all strive for like individuality and wanting to be different. It was funny because I was driving through, I was, I was, um, riding one of those Google bikes. Cause we have these like <laughs> Google bikes that we can ride around campus that are free oh and God. we just find one, pick it up. And then we just, you know, ride it to the next destination or to a meeting and I saw like four Teslas in a row that were charging. And immediately mm-hmm. the thought in my brain was, man, I'm never going to get a Tesla. I don't want that car, you know, because <laughs> it was like everyone's got the same car and I don't want to be that way because I'm an individual man. Mm-hmm. Um, but what really sealed the deal for me for Enneagram is for people who like music and who are artists out there. Uh, there's this Chicago based uh, music artist. His name is Ryan O'Neill. 
and he goes by the name Sleeping at Last, right? So mm -hmm. his music is kind of like on the indie, ethereal, like maybe Bon Iver kind of camp. Um, he's a so he's a Christian, but not a Christian recording artist. There's a difference, right? Because okay. like he doesn't produce Christian music. He's right. like a Christian that produces he, music. He's just Christian, yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, and some of his 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 lyrics have like Christian. Um, what is it like support uh, system and like mm -hmm. belief in there. So they come out, but this personal project that he's been working on is called the Atlas project. And so the Atlas project was creating uh, music about the human experience. And so he's been on Atlas. Uh, the first one was about like um, space and science and creation, really wild stuff. But the second uh, year it's called Atlas year two. And his focus is on wait for it. The Enneagram, wow. this dude is writing a song for every Enneagram number. Oh, wow. And in each podcast, he has Chris Hewitt's on his show to talk to break down each Enneagram number. Mm -hmm. So Chris Hewitt's does an awesome job breaking down every Enneagram number and showing like um, like what is the driver, what where they're at with distress. And then at the end, like how can they best, um, you know, how can they best live in their Enneagram number, right? Mm -hmm. um, and so- they break down not only what that Enneagram number is like, but also the song, right? Cause each song about each number, um, is really good because it like, it just kind of speaks to the people who identify with that number. Oh yeah. They can identify with yeah, it. Yeah. 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 Oh, and so man. it's so good. That's then, very clever. Yeah. And so Ryan's aim as an artist is to, is that the, the tendency with Enneagram is that we can get, we can get a little down about it because it's true. Like it's, mm. It, it's there's a true side to like all these ways that we've been selfish or blind in our lives. Mm -hmm. But what he wants to do is he wants to paint a picture of like where we can go. Right. So there's, mm -hmm. there's an inherent feeling of hope in it. I just re-listened to Enneagram number one, starting from the beginning. And um, what he did with it was he has these rules, right? Like for instance, like I said, with Enneagram, like the number one is about bringing order out of chaos or striving for principles, right? And doing the right thing and being a little perfectionistic. So uh, the song itself, he wrote it in 120 beats per minute, 120 BPM. Mm -hmm. The reason he did that was because every editing software that he's ever used uh, defaults to 120 BPM, which is also the exact timing of a clock. Tick, 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 right? <laughs> yeah. So he's like order, right? Um, and then all the people that he has help them out, whether it's like strings or whomever, these are people that identify as that particular number. So all the people involved in Enneagram number one, guess what? They're ones, right? Mm -hmm. And so like, you know, that's what's really cool about it. And he just really like delves that's, deep into that's, the Yeah, why. I was going to say, that's very deep. <laughs> it's awesome. And this really spoke to me because like I got, not, once I figured out who I was, which is a four, and who my wife was, a three, like when I was listening to the three, like it really, something clicked and mm -hmm. it clicked because it's like, I'm understanding someone who's close to me, right? Mm -hmm. In a way that I don't think I've ever understood them before through mm -hmm. art, right? Mm -hmm. And I think that's such a beautiful thing, right? When you can create something that has meaning and that can speak to people's lives, whether that's Game of Thrones, Avengers, this podcast, you know, um, the Enneagram song podcast, <laughs> whatever it is, like, I feel like, when you're in that pocket and you're doing that thing, like there's so much value there. Right. Completely so agree. I don't know, man, I just want to encourage you. Cause I think this is a great, like I want to encourage everyone to maybe get into this Enneagram stuff, but like also encourage you to keep going with this because this is so, this is, like I said, we don't do this often. We don't yeah. do this enough. 
to create an avenue and space for people to be able to, to talk and share. And so it's beautiful. I think it's beautiful what you're doing. Hey, so, I, pre- yeah, I really appreciate that, man. Yeah, dude. I really appreciate that. And uh, definitely will, uh, I mean, the conversation doesn't end here. We can always talk again and we'll talk. Can, yeah, dude, we'll talk again when you let me know your Enneagram numbers too. <laughs> I, well, well, I'll let you know my Enneagram numbers for sure, but I'll definitely, once I cycle through everybody, we can always come back on and, and talk again on, on the show as well. Awesome, man. Yeah.